0: There will now be
1: an opportunity for silent prayer or meditation. And as we do so, let's keep in mind and in our thoughts, those who have passed away as a result of the pandemic.
2: Thank you. Please be seated.
1: Honourable members, before we proceed with today's uh, work, I wish to announce that the vacancies which occurred in the National Assembly owing to the resignations of Advocates T.E. Malauzi and Mr. G.A. Gadi have been filled by the nominations of Ms. B. Ntuleloa and Ms. C.N. Nkonto, with effect from 18 May 2020, respectively. Lastly, Ms. N.P. Mukonyane was not available to take up her seat in the National Assembly and has been replaced by the nomination of advocate L.K.B. Mpumroana with effect from the 23rd May this year. The members have made and subscribed to the oath and affirmation with the speaker uh, through virtual platform. I welcome The Honorable Members to the National Assembly. Please join us.
0: (laughs) We will read the
1: first order of the day.
3: Debate on Youth
4: Day, Youth Power, Growing South Africa Together in a Time of COVID
1: uh, 19. <laughs>
5: Honourable Deputy Speaker, Honourable Members, the South African youth in particular, Please
1: attend to that uh, uh, intervention by that Honourable Member for the future. We will deal with her when she next comes here. Go ahead, go ahead Honourable Member.
5: Thank you very much, Honourable Deputy Speaker. Thousands of South African youth wake up every day to the reality of unemployment, poverty, and inequalities. These are the socio-economic realities of an unequal society informed by numerous factors. South Africa as a country is not immune from these global dire economic challenges. However, the ANC-led government has never shied away from its responsibility to secure economic viability for its youth. It has led from the front through massive, tangible youth development programs. Honorable Deputy Speaker, the 2020 Youth Month is celebrated under difficult conditions of lockdown. A lockdown brought us due to the global pandemic of coronavirus, which on its own has deepened the socio-economic crisis within our communities, more especially for the youth. Even under these difficult conditions, we remain optimistic that our country will recover and that our current interventions by government will ease the burden of poverty and unemployment. Like the youth of 1976, the youth of South Africa must not dig their heads in the sand, but rise to the occasion that requests positive youth activism. It is during these times, Deputy Speaker, that we must inspiration from the past youth generations that have rejuvenated the struggle for emancipation of colonized nations across the world. It is the youth who propelled the liberation movement in South Africa to engage in an armed struggle against racism apartheid government. It is the student of Saso who kept the fighting spirit against apartheid when liberation movements were banned. It is the youth of 1976 that demonstrated and revolted against apartheid government bound to education system which seek to enslave blacks as second-class citizens. We should also draw from the struggles of FISMAS Fall and many other movements led by South African youth, which have led to the fundamental change in access to higher education for the poor and the middle. It is the collective action of youth across the world that ensure a radical shift in social conditions of majority of the South African affected by poverty and unemployment. Honorable Deputy Speaker, despite the youth nature of our current population as a country, the youth are at the receiving end of poverty, unemployment, and inequalities, but we say nothing for the youth without the youth. Uh, honorable Deputy Speaker, the budget of our government does, does reflect inclusivity of youth population. Programs of our government are primarily youth focused, with basic education department of higher education and health taking the lead. Gone are those days when young people will be celebrated in June, as if they cease to be young on any other month besides June month. We remain vigilant in monitoring the work of government on its programs, more especially on job creation, youth entrepreneurship programs through youth set aside. It is in line with the notion of supporting SMMEs owned by young people. Chairperson, Deputy Speaker, Manufacturing and Agriculture will be the key economic drivers in the next decade. We therefore welcome economic term interventions by government programs such as NARISEC, Contractor Development Program, CWP and EPWP. However, some of these programs are poverty alleviation programs and remain temporary interventions. The youth of this country require the necessary sustainable skills to continuously cater for their needs. The new approach on NARISEC, as per the reviewed policy, brings us closer to what the young people of this country are yearning for. This program will not only provide skills, but provide young people, prepare young people to be farmers through veterinary, foods, and safety skills. We remain hopeful that these young people will be amongst the first beneficiaries of expropriation of land without compensation when it finally kicks in. And it will happen in our lifetime. Deputy Speaker, as we move tirelessly, as we work tirelessly tirelessly to save the academic year, young people in the remote areas are asking very critical questions. A young person by the name of Guaito Valashia from Harib District, a rural municipality in the free state, has no means of connectivity due to network challenges. His studies are therefore continuously interrupted. This is the same young man who continues to assist his community in delivering food parcels to the needy during these difficult times. A young activist who assists young people to apply for NSFAS and brought, bought school shoes for many, in, 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 in many children in Roguesville. Deputy Speaker, such young people are needed in this country. Those who do not just dig their heads in the sand, but continue to assist others. Even during these difficult times, we need such hope from our young people. Deputy Speaker, Naledi Disobotla, has also asked a difficult question, that the PPEs have not arrived at a daughter's school. What is to be done? Much as we continue to support government in its work, and its good intentions. We will be first in the ANC to ask these difficult questions. As the ANC, we are drivers in ensuring that we hold our government accountable and continue to alleviate the conditions of all young people yearning to build a prosperous South Africa. Deputy Speaker, the brutal killing of women in this country cannot go unnoticed. The scourge is too huge, and this must come to an end. As women of this country, we must never apologize for being women. The youth should be in the center of confronting gender-based violence, which has a a thirst to take life out of a, a woman, be it at the workplace, suburb, or township, or our villages. Indeed, black lives matter. It is a fact that black people continue to suffocate and die with no remorse in the 21st century. The inhuman killing of George Floyd is a clear reminder of the pain and suffering that black lives face. This killing is one of the most amongst many. Uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker, as the ANC, we follow, we are following with eager the brutal killing of Collins Causa. His death must never go in vain. His, may his soul rest in peace. Chairperson, as we adapt to the living conditions of coronavirus, we must be forward thinking. Post the pandemic, the youth should innovate sustainable initiative to in responding and repositioning our economy to be the best, to best create a better future for all. As I conclude, uh, Honourable Deputy Speaker, let me take this opportunity to salute young South Africans working as volunteers, health workers, teachers, and all those who contributed towards the, uh, um, fighting the pandemic. Cuba lefasila Fidel Castro Thank you for providing healthcare services to our shit nation. Deputy Speaker, I hereby send, you to send my sincere appreciation to the farm workers, whom, when we were all locked down, they were toiling the soil. Deputy Speaker, problems of confronting humanity, problems confronting humanity, require complex solving capabilities. They require a great deal of innovation. It is this, this youth that will take South Africa, Africa, and the rest of the world for a better future of shared prosperity. But this youth needs preparation. They need support. They need guidance. They need sophisticated competences. We are saying, as African National Congress, we want to congratulate the NYDA board, the outgoing board understanding work that they've done over the years. They leave this board, a NYDA, that is revolutionized. We are saying to them, this is an institution that is led by young people. This is an institution for young people. In the past three consecutive years, this particular board That's has me. actually brought about three clean audits over the years. We want to congratulate the outgoing board, Honorable Deputy Stipika, I thank you.
6: Thank you. Uh, Honorable Petey. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. I would like to acknowledge and honor the youth of 1976. Long may their spirit live to inspire us always. Today, we remember their footsteps and their spirit as we labor around our generational issues as young people in South Africa. In South Africa, there are two most important days in your life, the day you are born and the day you realize Ushubile. Slalo izolo, I spent my day in, in Butle Park, where I met with young people who wanted me to bring their stories to your urgent attention and the urgent attention of this house. I met Edwin Makubo, a 24-year-old, who looks after five siblings, the youngest being his sister, who is four. They live in an old abandoned house along the train track of Butler Park. He wanted me to tell you that he is cold and unemployed and losing hope. Ntabisen Gosi is 23 years old. Seng lives with four of her siblings. Her mother passed away and her father left them. She looks after her three siblings and her own child. She's unemployed and lives off her child grant. She has been waiting to hear back from the indigent grant application she applied for last year. She is getting desperate. Temba Mguni, a 19-year-old, is one of five siblings. Both parents have passed away. He dropped out of school and has joined his four other siblings in the unemployment line. He wanted me to tell you that he wants to complete his schooling, and at least he wants to get a skill that he can use in our economy today. These are the few stories of young people, but the many realities of young people in this country. If indeed, this ANC government is serious about being responsive to the challenges of young people, they will answer the calls of these young people who have asked me to speak about their stories today. Honourable Honourable Deputy Speaker, today we will listen to every ANC speaker like the one before tell us what they tell us every year. They decorate the painful realities of young people with the phrase that we hear all the time, Progress has been made, but... But what? But what has been done for the young people that require the assistance from this government? We won't hear what has happened to the seventy-seven commitments that were made at the Job Summit in October 2018. How have these commitments, how are these commitments going to help young people of Butler Park? What we won't hear from this government is what action is being taken to give the young people of Stack Sprate and the work readiness training and skills development that they require to meet the economic opportunities of this country. What we won't hear, Honorable Deputy Chaperson, is how this government plans to deal with the many young people who, over the years, have been rejected by the economic of this country and are now suffering from depression. What we know, Deputy Speaker, is that the medium-term budget policy statement only mentions youth once. And that only appears at the definitions section. As if unemployment is not bad enough for young people in this country, we now have to deal with the frustration and the anxiety of having to inherit an incapable state that is at the brink of economic collapse. Now, let us not be fooled. This economic collapse was happening long before COVID-19. Deputy Speaker, the truth is, under the ANC government, young people will become middle-aged, still trying to repay and rebuild this economy. Godwakea Slalo, perhaps it might not be as bad at that time because we might have ministers who are actually in touch with the issues of our communities. As always, the DA will advise and give guidance because we want the country to succeed. Young people deserve that. So we call on government number one, To ensure the restimulation of the employment tax incentive, the ETI is a direct intervention in the labor market aimed at stimulating demand for youth labor. The youth wage subsidy implicit in the ETI lowers the cost of the young, inexperienced worker to the employer without lowering the wages of workers themselves. Two, we are asking this government to provide targeted support for microentrepreneurs in the informal economy. We must ensure that we must foster sector support for job creation that this environment provides. Three, we need to focus on expanding support and incentives for youth-owned businesses and cooperatives. The Western Cape government and the city of Cape Town have created youth hubs in the city of Cape Town where young people can develop their CVs, find internships, complete job wow. resources, uh, we'll and end. social services that help with substance abuse and personal problems. These youth cafes provide skills development and supporting the digital training, business entrepreneurship, event management, and project management. Imagine having these centers in our rural areas across the country. Deputy Speaker, I believe it was the late Ubaba Nkuru Vusumazulu, Credo Manto, who once said, a truly democratic country is one that uses spiritual talents and the heritage of its people to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. I am here to confirm my belief in his words and argue that it is young people who are the spiritual talent and the heritage of our great nation. It is the young people of South Africa that will unshackle this country from the pessimism, poverty, and passiveness that we have become accustomed to because of the ANC government. The youth hustle does continue, And it is the youth of South Africa who will continue to confront these challenges unapologetically to seek out the solutions that we require in our government. Honorable Deputy Speaker, it is clear that we cannot knock on the door of this government. It has left young people with no choice but to dollar what we must. We must be clear the NYDA has failed. Right now, the MIT is in college uh, with we we is is to deliver to young people. We need change, and we're going to demand it now. Thank you very much. Yeah, I changed
7: something to say that a lot of people are going to pay Now we are better. Do a
4: look Chigar. better. You are not censored. Now we are better. better, better change. Uh, take
1: the
2: COVID uh, uh, party. Better when. Uh, honorable members, well, the
1: freedom up. over that uh, mic of yours must not be abused. Please, don't do that. Uh, honorable members, we now call for Honorable Chiro. If we proceed that way, there's going to be disorder here, and we will not allow it. Honorable Thank Chiro. you.
8: Thank you,
9: Deputy Speaker. Revolutionary greetings to the Commander-in-Chief of the Commander. Commander. The Deputy President, Nyeko Shevambu, the Chairperson President, Tombo the officials, commissars, fighters, and ground forces of the EFF. As the economic freedom fighters, we take this time to honor the youth of 1976. We remain inspired by the courageous young men and young women who chose to fight the big, white, and heartless thugs in uniform, armed, and in power, and not be dismayed by their weapons, nor their age. Our courage to confront thugs and murderers who are in political power and uniform is mired and taken from their courageous acts. If the black youth of 1976 and that of 2020 could
0: be in the same room today,
1: 26 years post- oh, post- members, during the oh, global pandemic. Yes. Honorable, honorable uh, Chirwa, hold on. Honorable May
10: I address you on a point of order, sir? Yes, sir. Sir, we try to create the impression or facilitate that this is parliament. If you're going to allow members to use different backgrounds, regardless of their party political things, we may get into trouble because others would use perhaps other things to make different points. Yeah. And that's why there's a specific background given that indicates Parliament. This is Parliament, this is not a party political event.
1: Thank you. Right. Yeah, the, the order is sustained. Honorable Members, you must change your backgrounds to the Parliament background. There will be no exception accepted. Uh, go ahead, Honorable
9: if the black youth of 1976 and that of 2020 would be in the same room today, 26 years post-democracy during a global pandemic COVID-19, they would have more similarities than differences. Both have protested against Afrikaans as a medium of instruction. Both Honorable know the injustice Honorable of access to free quality and decolonized education. Both Honorable are in townships and rural areas Honorable while Chirwa. white people...
1: Honorable Chiro. Please, uh, uh, the order has been sustained about the background you are using there. And we would like to proceed. Honorable members, if it is not technically possible to be done immediately by honorable members here, uh, it must be done. Yeah. Honorable speaker. We can't just ignore a, a decision of the house that has just been made Yeah, That's all we are requesting you to do.
0: Speaker.
11: <laughs>
1: Okay, go ahead if you just. Honorable
11: Speaker, on a point of order.
1: What's the point of order, Honorable Member?
11: What is wrong with the background of the youth of 1976? Is that the fact that it's irritating the FF class, the madras of the regime of 1976? What's I wrong with meant- that background? There's nothing wrong with the youth of 1976 as a background. It's what we are commemorating here today. It's a result of us having this conversation and the deliberations we're having today. So what is wrong with that background?
1: Honorable member, you don't do that again. And I suggest we proceed because I'm told this has changed Uh, No one is saying anything about the youth of 76 not being appropriate. We are saying parliament right now... You are saying
11: it's inappropriate to have it as a background. Why are we having this debate then today if that background cannot be put up? It's a reminder reminder of the brutal murder by the FF Plus people.
1: Honourable member, Honourable member, you are proceeding and getting out of order. I reject that with the contempt it deserves, the implications you are throwing around there. We are proceeding on the grounds that that background is changed and we will proceed in that manner.
11: Let's go ahead. On a point of order, deputy speak. Oh, honorable on a point me? of order, deputy speak. I have
1: ruled on this matter and the rules require. But what that is wrong with the background? You know, what, know, what
11: is, is the point see?
1: of <laughs> it? Well, when well, I well,
12: am well. afraid of white
1: people. <laughs> Honourable members, I have made a ruling on this matter and I'm not debating it.
13: Man,
1: you are cowards, man, you are cowards. Honourable member, don't tempt us to say things that are
11: inappropriate in the house. You can you say don't... them, we don't care. You can say whatever you want to say.
12: Honourable the reason we are doesn't...
11: having <laughs> this debate today is exactly because of that Honourable and members say why we, say we, say we are afraid of we are white people. Of we are 1976 youth like you were we afraid of
0: white people.
11: That's why we are taking that vote. White people murdered us in the streets. No. N- the same pictures are in parliament walls. The same Honourable pictures to be the background of Naledi Chirwa in the walls of parliament. Okay.
1: Honorable okay. members, you are breaking every single
11: rule in the house now. So why did you take the decision that you are taking? No, why? Into- we are afraid of are white into- people. You so listen to white people a lot. What's wrong with 1976 background?
1: You are a member of this house. You took an oath here and claimed that you'd obey the law and all other laws in
11: the house. You are violating them in the remarks you are making now. now this thing say- for violating the- <laughs> any- Yes, indeed, Peter. Good judge in South Africa Youth got 1976.
14: India I was fighting for the things, and none of those things have been achieved even today. Youth is suffering. Please, honourable keep quiet. We are not going to abandon this position as long as we are still alive. Don't be scared of white people here. Why are we?
11: In Ghana, there are rupes. Who rupes? What
15: turned
11: into of racism? We are calling that racism.
0: White people, what is name? What is VBS?
11: You removing the youth of 1970s. That's racism. Playback
16: uh, VBS.
17: What's racist about that? Just explain what's racist about that. Honourable That's
1: members. Uh, don't allow anybody to speak. Switch off their mic. Just switch off their we are mic. We've, We've been elected
11: to be here. Are you are wrong. not going to treat us like children. You are not going to.
1: Honorable member, you are behaving like children right now. Right now, you are behaving like children. You are all speaking from the same party, saying the same thing, irrespective of the ruling in the house. Your member is suspended as a result. She's not able to speak because you are interrupting her with your propaganda. The rules have been decided in this house and they will be applied. No exception. Go ahead, Honorable Chirua
9: both the youth of 1976 and that of 2020 are squashed in townships and rural areas while white people enjoy the benefits of land theft both were and are reduced to menial jobs or no jobs at all to sustain the trenches of white supremacy both die to lack of quality health care both are landless both die at the hands of the police for justice Demanding minimum wage, fees to fall, Africans to fall, and their families are evicted like animals in informal settlements. This, even during a global pandemic, both are haunted by the catastrophe of gender based violence and femicide. Majority of these victims being black women and the LGBTQ. Both still raise their hands, begging the state and society to acknowledge that all lives and all black lives.
1: I said that you proceed on the understanding that you change off your background. I'm
9: almost done. Can I finish? I'm almost done.
1: No, you won't finish until you remove the picture. We agreed here the ruling has been made. There's no question about where Parliament stands in relation to matters of students of 1976. There's no question about it. But when we approve rules in the House, they will be enforced and will be followed. Respective of who you think you are. Change the background and proceed to speak.
9: Year in and year out, the EFF has freely given economic, social, and political solutions in this house. And yet President Ramaphosa pretends to be begging for solutions from the youth. The youth is right here. The youth is the EFF, and this, amongst many others, is what the youth is saying and proposing as solutions. Number one, bring back level five lockdown and avoid further deaths of innocent people and use the money meant to ready buildings to give to the poor and for job security. This government has even failed to inform the people that when one recovers from COVID-19, their chances of dying from heart failure and strokes shortly thereafter increase. Educate the police on gender justice and establish specialized law enforcement units to deal with women-related crimes, socialization of communities, response to victims, court intervention, and instill harsher sentences for gender-based violence and sexual assault. Engage custodians of tradition, faith leaders, and cultural practitioners to find means to combat the oppression of women and patriarchy perpetuated by these very institutions. Increase mental health facilities and resources and integrate programs responding to substance abuse as an element of mental health issues. Pass legislation that will ensure that all government departments and all public institutions employ a minimum of 40% of people between the ages of 18 and 35. Past legislation that will ensure that all government departments and all public institutions spend 50% of their procurement budget on youth-owned businesses. Introduce free quality and decolonized education for all. Advancing topics pertaining to indigenous knowledge, sovereignty and economic freedom in the curriculum. Data must fall. People's jobs are withering away because of this pandemic. Invigorate content creation and science and technology. Today, the top entrepreneurs globally in technology are currently eight men. Two Chinese and the rest of them are white. Support entrepreneurs in this sector like the Libra Lemoc, the first black and owned township uh, cell phone manufacturing company in the country in Sochanguva today. You have not made this a priority because it will once again highlight racial disparity in regards to mere access to the internet. The 5G infrastructure that has been in South Africa for over 10 years is monopolized. Break the chain of monopoly and defend youth participation and leadership. End the tendering system and establish state-owned companies, provide them with strategic and financial supports. A state-owned housing construction company, road construction company, cement company, mining company, and state-owned banks. You encourage the youth day in and day out to take the fort, and then you respond to their activism, their rage and discontent with your governance, the same way the apartheid regime did to the youth of 1976. The ANC government has in fact physically defended colonial statues more
1: than it does and has for black women's lives thank you thank you honorable Numalo uh,
18: of the ifp from at large um, uh, thank, thank you very much deputy speaker i hope i'm audible um,
0: you are deputy you speaker
18: are. 2020 months i am thank you 2020 marks the 44th anniversary of the historic Soweto uprising that began in Soweto in 1976 on the 16th of June and spread right across the country like a wildfire, this uprising was led by young people across South Africa who could no longer bear the, the who could no longer bear the unjust and discriminatory education policies of the apartheid government. This day seeks to honour those students who sacrificed their lives and their safety in 1976, all while seeking up to have hold their human dignity, equality, and their right to quality education. This year, unlike the previous years, we are faced with a hollow celebration as the world finds itself in the middle of a pandemic due to COVID-19. Indeed, even without even without the pandemic, there will be little to celebrate as young people of South Africa. According to statistics, South Africa approximately 8.2 million South, Af- South Africans which are young, are out of jobs. They are not employed. These figures are undoubtedly increasing since there's, there's been a lockdown at the end of, 20, of March 2020 this year. Young people are more likely to be engaged in informal employment, meaning that the pandemic has hit hard on the young people of this country. It will be important to prioritize opportunities for young South Africans when looking to rebuild our economy as it has been tripping from failure to failure, as we've seen. Government agencies like the Youth Employment Service and the South African Youth National Development Agency have been unfortunately silent on this time um, of, of, of our country. This is concerning because youth, they were established to save. The, the uncertainty caused by the COVID-19 has millions of school-going uh, children and youth lagging behind those without access to internet, computers...
0: ...liable power... ...face to that.
18: To study cannot access the online resource studies. Unfortunately, the Department of, of Basic Education will not predict how difficult the educators. This this was made more uh, difficult due to the department's failure to pay schools, and as always, it is. Chair, I'm back. Um, I think it was a problem with the connection, as I'm saying right now, that the majority of our young people are confronted with connectivity issues, which is exactly what we are experiencing, and we find the department continuing and taking our children back to school still remains this, as we are are seeing now in my debate. While we all have have been affected by the pandemic, it is the vulnerable and the marginalized who are most likely to be be at the risk of the COVID-19. The poor, those that are poor who live in rural South Africa and those living with HIV, our youth with disabilities, and adolescent girls, young women, and our homeless youth will suffer most as they already experience challenges in accessing education, healthcare, and social protection. Um, Every day we get reports of missing young women and girls who have lost their lives to gender-based violence and femicides, often at the hands of young men whom they say that they love and they trust. This, this reflects the absence of respect of human rights and the right to life. Of further concern, it is the lifting of the ban of the sale of of alcohol. During these challenging times, young people are forced to remain indoors and by extension have nowhere to run in cases where alcohol abuse leads to violence and abusive uh, behavior. How then can we grow South Africa together through this difficult period of a pandemic? The IP believes that uh, an active citizenship is the duty of all young South Africans. Through history, we as the South African youth have shown what it, that it is possible through a united, active citizenship. The IP is committed to creating spaces for young people to cultivate a strong sense of citizenship and responsibility for themselves, but also for their communities based on their self-reliance. The IFP believes that the spirit of Ubuntu calls for a collective um, effort, particularly in difficult times like this one. This is also the time for young people to exercise their right to vote. According to the IEC registration drive in 2018, six million eligible voters under the 30 30 years of age did not register to vote. The IFP encourages the young people to use their vote to, to demand change and accountability from our government. We may be moved. We may have moved from the apartheid to access to the quality of education. They cannot... They, they go to schools hungry, tired. They lose their lives because they are poor. There's poor sanitation and cannot comb people with the available enjoyment because of the poor. The IPP is the part
1: Oh, no, 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 honourable member, your time has expired. No, but, but I know difficult people like
0: up so
1: thats why we gave you ten seconds more. But your time is expired now. Okay.
18: But how many Thank people are chair here? Because I oh. have a
1: problem. Eh, honourable Breit, take over. That's the only but, way you I, can uh, let him know that you have. Thank, now. You,
19: hon- Thank you, Honourable Chairperson, South Africa yeah. has failed its youth and our government has the failed it. Un- Honourable Chairperson, yeah. the EFF, I suggest go get a history lesson and they get their facts. Because the no, fact no, no, no. of the matter is that it is not because of apartheid and it is not because of white people that our youth of today are currently suffering, it is because of the ANC-led government that our youth are suffering today. And they should...
1: Order. Just hold on. Yes, Honorable Member.
3: I want to rise in the point of order. What's uh, the point of order, sir? Chairperson, the background that Honorable Breed is using is not the official background that was applied. When when I'm 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 the, of the official background of parliamentarians in order for her to uh, continue
0: nonsense. speaking. I to speak.
1: Honorable Members, uh, this ruling has been made and I expect that members will be able to do it and uh, we
0: proceed yeah
1: yeah i don't know what he saw there uh, go ahead honorable Brett.
19: thank you thank you honorable chairperson the fact of the matter is that the eff needs to get the facts straight and needs to go and look at history because on 16 june it was the start of the british colonialist scorched earth policy that saw more than 41,000 south african women and children yes honorable eff black and white students uh, children murdered so rather get your facts straight and focus on what is actually the issue but chairperson to get back to this the oh, only success in fear elke the success of 1976 nineteen seventy six. But if we
20: go in reality and take a look at what's happening with the youth in 2020, we can see that they are held at ransom. The youth of today still do not have quality education. If you are a speaking boy in Bloemfontein, you cannot go to school and follow it in your own language. Where we do have mother tongue education, we can see that the MECs like Panjansal Lasufi just... Mismanage it. We can see that we have schools that still don't have water, access to sanitation. And after all of these years, shouldn't they have access to this?
19: But honourable chairperson, this is a fallacy because those schools should have had water and sanitation six six and twenty twenty-six years ago. The youth of today still do not have equal opportunities. They are still, as the class of seventy-six, judged by the color of their skin. Their socioeconomic circumstances are not being used when we talk of youth empowerment. And the president, during his youth day address, made mention of how the youth are the agents of change. And that youth will play a pivotal role with the post-COVID-19 economic environment in South Africa. And I agree with the president, but the following needs to happen for us to see that change. Government must create a conducive environment for this where youth have equal opportunities, where there is economic growth and creating jobs opportunities, where the youth are free from the past and where there is unity in our diversity. Chairperson, youth unemployment was estimated at a, at a uh, 58% average. This means that youth in South Africa are tormented and that Students in, in countries that have civil war have more job opportunities than current youth within South Africa. This is an absolute, absolute disgrace. And yet our government cannot pull out all the stops to actually see this number improved. The president also acknowledged that social status should not be a barrier for the youth. But, chairperson, then the government needs to stop paying lip service and start acting. We need to see legislations changed to ensure that all South Africans have a chance to help build the economy, especially post-COVID-19. We need to see that government is serious about youth empowerment and not just focus on certain youths, but rather on all youth that are willing and able to help South Africa get back on track. We need to ensure a government that sets a political climate there that is conducive for business. After all, Chairperson, as the President also said, a country that invests in its youth, invests in its future. And therefore, Chairperson, I want to challenge the ANC. I want to challenge you to be bold. I want to challenge you to stand up for all of South Africa. And I want to challenge you to make legislation there that creates equal opportunities and promotes job creation for all. Chairperson, I thank you.
1: Honorable uh, member is uh, done. Okay. Honorable Sugars,
12: ACDP. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. It is numerically significant today in commemorating the Soweto Uprising of 1976 that we are the sixth parliament. 26 years after the advent of democracy in the year 2020. The number six is the number of man creation, and we are standing at the beginning of a new decade. COVID 19 has exposed how far we truly came in addressing equality and injustice at an economic and social level. In looking back at history and the role of young people to drive change, we should ask ourselves what our legacy will be in the face of economic challenges that could only deepen poverty, injustice, and inequality for most of our young people in this country? Do we, as a generation of leaders, still walk the same fault lines to see the color of the skin rather than the color of the blood? Do we still fight today only for class or color rather than for all South Africa? The challenges we face Demands that we unify as a nation against the enemies that does not seek out the color of your skin. Our history is one of segregation and injustice, resulting in generational poverty. But our future demands reconciliation and justice to ensure prosperity for all people. When we decide to respond to the inequality in our education system, which is an injustice against humanity then only will we overcome the barriers to learning and advancement that faces millions of of young South Africans. It is only when we answer as one people in the fight against lawlessness, which is robbing our young men and women of their lives, that we win against the enemy of violence that ravages our cities, townships, and rural farm areas. We have a responsibility as a generation to leave a legacy that can be celebrated by the generations to come. Reconciliation is the legacy that South Africa gifted the world in 1994. Today, 26 years after the birth of our democracy, how unified are we really in order to to enable us to tackle the economic challenges that threatens the quality of life of millions of South African people? COVID-19, gender-based violence, and poverty are the giants of our time. These are the giants that call out our names. Are we honestly ready to face the challenges as one people? Or are we today as divided as we were in 1976? It is time for us to unite our efforts and sustainably restore our forgotten and left behind communities through social programs that address the gaps of fatherlessness and its impact on the young men we raise, the ACDP believes that skills development must be instituted at a community level with a focus on technology that is geared towards what? the demands of the fourth industrial Revol- revolution.
1: Thank um, uh, you. As a is no thank you. Honourable August, good. your
0: turn. Please, pay attention to
1: the time allocated to yourself. As presiding officers, we play no role in that. So we enforce your agreement here. And uh, so please, just uh, uh, I'm not talking to you only, Honorable August, Mm -hmm. in advance. Uh,
21: All the subsequent speakers must do the same. Okay, go ahead, Nat. Honorable Chairperson, yesterday was not a good youth day. Our youth are enduring the toughest times since the birth of our democracy. I'm angry and sad as many South Africans are. Our youth are giving up on life. They are sitting on the streets, unemployed and unable to get jobs. Every day we hear another young woman or girl attacked, raped, mutilated, murdered. Your daughter or partner could be next. Families live in fear and have become mentally programmed to do with it. This is not OK. We have all heard horrible stories where families in between meals have to duck down and lay on the floor when hearing gunshots. We hear of boys and young men shot down in the prime of their life, another gang killing, another child hit by a stray bullet, another funeral. The overwhelming majority of these crimes are committed by men, somebody's son, somebody's father, somebody's brother, somebody's husband or boyfriend. Honorable Deputy Speaker, we must stop teaching our our boys that they are superior to girls. We must stop teaching them that they think think they're more important than their sisters. We must stop teaching them that their physical strength determines their ranking at home or in their communities. We must stop teaching them that being kind is a sign of weakness. We must stop teaching them to be bullies. The idea is neither far-fetched nor unachievable. It starts in our own homes, with our own families, Instilling the values young people need to grow up, be responsible and respectable adults, and it ripples out from there. Only days ago we heard of Kerwin Fortune, a dance choreographer who was prominent in the LGBTI community, stabbed by a 14-year-old girl. He is dead. In Belhar, a 27-year-old mother and a 7-year-old daughter were stabbed in their home. They now are dead. Mikhail Amos, a 24-year-old male, was killed by a stray bullet during a drive-by shooting in Parkwood on Saturday. A three-year-old boy was shot in his father's arms in Lavendale, also over the weekend. The boy is dead. His dad survived and lived with the pain. The province's violence statistics are horrendous. Citizens, young and old, are scared to walk the streets, go to school, even sleep at night. We regularly hear from police that more members are being deployed to the most dangerous areas like the Cape Flats. Where are they? Fantastic numbers are thrown around. They make it sound like matters are in hand. Where are they? In any case, statistics on police deployment contain gray areas. They generally speak not just to numbers of feet on the street, but include administrative staff, members of the VIP, and other units, and detectives, to name a few. The police should show us real numbers: how many police are on the front lines per number of the population in each of our suburbs and townships. These numbers will tell us they are capable of providing safety. The community cannot. Honourable see-
1: August, as you notice, yeah, these is no word. Thank Dancy. you, Chairperson. Yeah. Uh, Honourable Kwankwa. Uh, uh, honorable members, stop being ages across the
22: benches here. Uh, please. <laughs> honorable speaker, honorable deputy speaker, and honorable members, we will always be reminded of the bravery of the young people of 1976 who took to the streets of South Africa to fight a system of injustice, prejudice, inequality, racism, sexism, and suppression. They remain our guiding light even today as we still fight some of these very same battles. I remind you that Lord Charles Acton once said, if the past has been an obstacle in the burden, knowledge of the past is the safest emancipation, end quote. But we must not let the shadows of our dark past, rather we must not let shadows of our past darken the doorstep of our future. Just as we reap the benefits of the class of 1976's bravery, 44 years later, we must also be brave. Currently, much of our public debate centers on human rights and dignity, as well as the excessive use of force by state security organs. Even if this debate causes anger, frustration, and discomfort, we cannot afford to shy away from it. We must talk about these things openly as we strive for social cohesion in South Africa. We as a nation must recognize that lives matter, whether it be a woman, banned, old, or young. There is no time and place where there can be an exception. Lives matter. Black lives matter and matter all the time. Sorry. Okay. Honorable members, as we celebrate Youth Month, we must take stock and realize that 26 years into our democracy, South Africa still ranks as one of the most unequal societies in the world, with formerly oppressed still having no opportunities and living in poverty and conditions of squalor. Reports indicate that youth unemployment is expected to rise at a staggering 70% 70 by the end of the year 2020. We readily found ourselves in a socioeconomic crisis, which has now been deepened by the consequences of COVID-19 and the necessary lockdown. But we must not look past the opportunity it has created, which is to reset the economy in favor of young people and the previously marginalized. We must, however, get past the stumbling blocks that hamper our young people's progress. As it stands, our education system does not adequately prepare our youth for the future or the job market. It needs a massive overhaul. There must be greater focus on building young people to be job creators, skilling them to, for instance, be innovators and artisans, work the land and produce food, start small businesses that can grow. Such a transformed education system must also speak to today's needs, considering the current industrial revolution. In this regard, Malcolm X gave us a valuable advice when he said, and I quote, education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. Thank, you, thank you very thank much, you. Honorable Member. That's a right place to stop.
1: Uh, Honorable Mashauli. Don't be superstitious, Honorable Kwankwa, it's a clock, that's how it works.
17: (laughs) Honorable Deputy Speaker, this year we celebrate the centenary of the birth of two heroes of our struggle. Comrade Kuala and Uwamre Mshaba, We in the ANC are blessed because, unlike the brand new political parties, we have stalwarts who are wells of wisdom from which we drink. I have chosen to dedicate this speech to Harry Gwala, the lion of the Midlands. I do so fully conscious that this is a youth debate. President Mandela has this to say in his funeral. If Mpeta was sometimes too blunt, it is because he knew that enemies of the people were spending sleepless nights to plot the undoing of the organization. He paid special attention to the problems of the youth and the poorest of the poor. Mperpetua knew that inkuzi is For the benefit of those who don't understand isiZulu." Zulu. Majiba was saying, the bull is among the calves. Deputy Speaker, I'm quoting these words because, like Ubaaba Ukwala, I intend to be blunt when addressing matters of the youth. I will call things by their names. I will do so because I believe that the mission of our generation is to end the system that leaves 58% of the youth in our country unemployed. With the fallout of COVID-19, this number will rise. The crisis of youth unemployment is not as a result of natural disaster like an earthquake or indeed coronavirus. It is fundamentally the legacy of colonialism and apartheid. I know that a lot of media commentators and some political parties have constructed a myth that because apartheid was formally ended in 1994, it has no impact on young South African. I say that is hogwash. If this were true, why is there a Black Lives Matter movement in the United States when the Civil Rights Act that gave Americans their full citizenship rights was passed in 1964? Why were the two black men, George Floyd and Rayshard Brooks, recently murdered in full glare of the public by the racist policemen? The reality is that the legacy um, of slavery, please, uh, lynching, lack of access to land and property, and inferior education, etc., continue to hinder the progress of generations of black people in the richest country in the world. As a principled analysis of our present social and economic crisis must be grounded on historical and material realities. Deputy Speaker, we still have in our democratic parliament political parties like the Freedom Front Plus and the DA, that exist unapologetically for one purpose only, the preservation of white privilege. White privilege in South Africa was not earned through white excellence. It was stolen like the land and mineral wealth at the end of the barrel of a gun. As the ANC, we acknowledge that within the white community, there have been patriots such as the late Istualandwe, Siaparangwe, our beloved Dennis Goldberg and Professor Ben-Turok, both of whom passed away this year. They fought on the side of the oppressed. Helen they shot the privileges they were born into as whites. We say to them, Now uh, remind them,
23: oh, Helen, Helen Sussman.
17: As raw material, which were used together with slave labor. To industrialize the economies yes. of our former oh, colonial the masters, primarily. Yes. Point of order, Remember, what are you raising on?
24: Member Walters on the virtual. Just open the mic and start speaking without you giving, her mic. Walters. No, Can the, you please call that member to order? Because no, it's out
1: of order in the first place. That's why I ignored them because they, you can't just do that. Uh, please, yeah.
20: That is the fundamental reason for Honourable the current
1: underdevelopment and Mashaouli. structural... Honorable just hold on. But thanks, Honourable chair. thanks yes. chair. Can yes. you be
9: very fair in applying this? Since we've had virtual sittings, Minister Lindiwe Defni Zulu has been interrupting aye, aye. meetings aye, aye. At, every, at every single sitting with nothing being said by the Chair. So can you please tell her also to just keep quiet and listen? But you are misrepresenting
1: the truth. I ruled on that matter here. I did. You are misrepresenting the truth. And you are an honorable member. You mustn't do that. Please go ahead, honorable
17: I think, uh, yeah. That is the fundamental reason for the current underdevelopment and structural unemployment in our country and the continent. Deputy Speaker, the ANC takes full responsibility for our government's policy choices, both successful and not so successful. The ANC government has implemented policy interventions to break the cycle of intergenerational poverty. This includes the massive investment in education and skills. More than 90% of children are in school, a far higher enrollment rate than in most other developing countries. Spending on education has increased tremendously after 1994, from 32 billion to over 300 billion currently. As a proportion of the national budget, our education budget is among the highest in the world higher than the UK and the US. The evidence of the success of this investment is the spectacular growth of the black middle strata that has grown fourfold since 1994. Incidentally, Deputy Speaker, I have noticed that the beneficiaries of our investment in education don't wear overalls and gumboons at their graduation ceremonies. They wear expensive designer clothes and shoes. Our government has rolled out massive community work programs that provide skills and crucial employment for the poor. We need greater alignment of skills development to national development priorities, as well as innovation to unleash the talents and creativity of the youth. Deputy Speaker, government has implemented programs that facilitate entrepreneurship, development, and empower the youth to start their own businesses. However, These have not fundamentally altered the social and economic realities. Because we have been weak in this regard, the likes of Honorable Breit, who would be regarded in many countries as a fringe right-wing crackpot, are able to stand here and lecture us. Our generation is called upon to address decisively the causes of black intergenerational poverty The exclusion of our young people and women from owning productive land and property, and access to finance and among the fundamental uh, barriers. In order to address this, the ANC must speed up the expropriation of land without compensation and radically transform the financial sector so that our country is able to finance the entrepreneurship revolution we are going to unleash in our lifetime. The transformation measures must include the establishment of a state bank to drive growth in economic sectors in which the youth participate, demonopolizing and diversifying the financial sector through youth-owned stock fields, financial cooperatives, regional and sector banks that support SMMEs and cooperatives, low-cost financing for youth business ventures, banking facilities that are pro-youth-owned business and apost- Simplifying access to development, finance, institution for youth in townships and villages. Increasing the procurement spent by government and large corporate in youth-owned enterprises, if needs be, through legislation. In conclusion, uh, Deputy Speaker, we were not deployed here to keep polite company with conservatives like Mr. Stienhagen, Mrs. Breard. We are here to continue the revolution on a different thank you very much. Uh honorable
1: ma shake imam.
0: Show me ca show, show, show. Honorable <laughs> member.
1: Uh, All the the honourable members, honourable Sheikh is ready
25: to... Thank you, honourable Deputy Speaker. Let us first of all start off by asking ourselves what happened in 1976. And I think we seem to be running away from that very, very important event that took place. Over 176, and it's estimated over 700 had lost their lives. Why did they lose their lives? Because they were rebelling against the oppressor who were marginalizing them in terms of Bantu education, restricting them to the medium of Afrikaans. Okay. Now 44 years later, that platform was set in 1976, and that's the sacrifice many of them made. And let me reiterate. There was nothing to do with race. All these youth that stood and fought side by side stood as the youth with a common purpose is ensuring that the youth of today have a better quality of life, that your education is free, it is fair, it is transparent, and it is equal. Now the question that we ask is what 18 million youth in South Africa are we continuing from where we left off in 1976? And let me, allow me, Honorable Deputy Speaker, to express my disappointment. You didn't have the education there, now you're getting the education, but the very same facilities you are getting now, which you didn't get before, you want to burn and destroy them. You want to follow those that are manipulating, even though you can see loud and clear how corrupt they are. The 1976 youth fought against that, but today you want to follow those leaders that are corrupt and you do nothing. And one ideal example is that VBS bank. You know what has happened, but yet blindedly you go out there and you want to support these things. Let's look at gender-based violence in the country. It is the youth, the women, and the children that are suffering. But where is the 18 million youth in the South Africa that are supposed to protect these women and children? Nowhere to be seen. I want to say to the youth of South Africa, you need to rise. You need to rise again, but you need to rise for the right reasons. You need to protect those women and children. You need to have the highest level of morality. You are dropping off 60% in the first year of university. Is that acceptable? It's not acceptable. Let's follow what happened in 1976. Let's stand together. You are the future of this country. Do not allow politicians and political parties to divide you on race. Those that divide you on race are helpless and have got nothing to offer you. Because in this country before, it was all races that stood together. Yes, indeed, even Blacks oppress the Blacks. Let us not run away from that. And let us admit that. Let us come together as a United Nation. Let's you, try and defend and protect the yeah. poorest of you the poor.
0: One seat.
1: I was Zelema tube and I'm trying to bubble choice.
26: Is it correct now? Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Give it a speaker. I think.
1: Uh, honorable uh, uh, honorable okay. members in the front benches here, uh, these front benches are having a wrong influence on you. Uh,
26: uh, come. The deputy speaker, the formation of a I C cannot be compared to not taking away of from God. In other words, now, we still claim heroes like Darje Mandel and others because we're part and parcel of (coughs) ANC before. Deputy speaker, I think it is never late now because I want to convey condolences to the families of all those who lost lost their young ones during this COVID-19 and also to the family of Honorable Dora Jamini and our Deputy Chief Whip who lost her uncle, Deputy Speaker, we would like to see the role that should be played by our youth of today, 2020. We saw the contribution that was made by the 1976 youth towards the freedom of this country. Now we need economic freedom, something now that should be done by our youth of today. We also want to see our youth fighting against the spread of
0: covid
26: They should be actively involved in fighting the spread of this disease. In order to fight, you should have the same people and the mission, so that you can achieve what you want to achieve. Our youth still have power to take South Africa forward together with the government. And of course, everyone getting involved. Our youth must take center stage during this time of COVID-19 and contribute to the growth of economy and save the lives of people. That is possible, Deputy speaker. We are just making a special appeal to our youth today to refrain from the abuse of alcohol. They should also do away with the tendency of beating up and killing their loved ones. If they can't love, they should call it a day and they have nothing to do with love relationships. Our youth should begin to organize themselves into relevant structures with accountability, determination and tolerance, so that now we can fight these challenges that are facing our country. They should get involved in structures that should fight against the gender-based violence. They should guard against the social ills and fight the collapse of our economy. Thank you very much, Dr.
1: Honourable Abrams.
8: Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Parliament's Youth Debate theme this year is about growing South Africa together. But how do we grow when our soil is toxic, women and children unable to blossom? We wake up in South Africa anxious and afraid, afraid for our future, afraid of waking up unemployed, afraid of raising a child in South Africa, more so a girl child. We could lock our doors and stay inside, protected from the invisible threat of COVID-19. But locked doors can't keep us safe when the threat is already inside. This feeling of fear and anxiety makes sense when South Africa ranks one of the most dangerous countries.
0: With some men
8: murder women and children. ANC youth policies and programmes are failing. Youth are still turning to violence for the answer, to suicide for the answer, to drugs and gangsterism for the answer. To blesses for the answer. We can understand why, because in South Africa it seems a diploma does not pay, crime and corruption does. Young people, are you still waiting for your Sasa 350 grant? Did your clinic run out of contraceptives three months ago? Are your younger siblings hungry because this ANC government refuses to open school feeding programs as well as ECD centers? Are you exposed to predators walking free out of prison on parole or presidential pardon? The argument that politics does not affect you is dead. We should not continue to inherit the sin of our father. This ANC government is paralyzed by its own infightings and incapabilities. Promises will remain empty. The Western Cape government has appointed the very first Children's Commissioner in South Africa, to directly engage young people, a function every promise, province must have. 1.2 million meals served by school feeding programs during lockdown in the Western Cape. One billion rand made oh, available oh, to fight crime where SACS is failing. <laughs> the DA understands that we cannot pursue opportunities oh, good and without fear in society. The municipality has already implemented food e-vouchers, while ANC ministers like Minister Zulu still finds herself surprised that COVID-19 is devastating the poor. In South Africa, young people make up almost 35% of this country's population. Surely parliament and elective office and public office should be more representative of this majority. Young people, your constitutional right to vote and seek elective office is how you become active citizens in setting a social climate free of violence, free of fear, conducive for our own successes. The youth hustle does indeed continue. Thank
14: you. Uh,
1: Honorable Masiko.
8: Thank
27: you very much, honorable deputy speaker. It is an honor and a privilege for me to participate in this youth debate, as yesterday we marked 44 years since the Soweto student uprising that took place on the 16th of June, 1976. June 16 is a day that ushered decisive turning points in the liberation struggle in South Africa. Today, we stand in this very parliament as young people representing the African National Congress owing to the sacrifices and contributions made by the gallant fighters and patriots on whose shoulders we stand. They made it possible for us to live the dream of freedom for which they themselves paid the ultimate price. As we honor the memory and salute salute the 1976 generation, we rededicate ourselves to achieving the goals they sacrificed so much for. In further commemorating their sacrifice, We must remain fully cognizant of the fact that June 16th generation was diverse in character and in content. We must acknowledge the critical role played by young women of the 1976 generation in the fight against white supremacist education. Honourable Deputy Speaker, today we remember the names and identities of young women who seldom ever appear, even when victims of the of the 16 June massacre are evoked in public dialogues. We remember the female students who were shot and killed at various places around Soweto when the uprising began, whose identity remain a mystery till today. We raise our revolutionary fists in honor of Hermina Leoraka, a young woman who on 17 June 1976 was shot dead in deep grove. Her name, like many other young women who died, is unknown. We raise our revolutionary fist to the young woman, Antoinette Sitole, who is seen in the famous image of photographer Sam Zima, known to many as the sister to Hector Peterson. Antoinette Sitole, like many other young nameless women, made a conscious decision to protest on the day. We again raise our revolutionary fist and afford historical importance to Sibongile Makabela the only woman who was an executive member of the soweto student representative council and general secretary of the south african student movement that planned and organized the 16th june uprising mkabela like many others is least spoken about and relatively less known through the young people of south africa their contributions and sacrifices for the liberation project will be registered in our collective national consciousness and memory. In keeping with the vision of 1976 generation, I can state without any fear of contradiction that as a country and government, we have registered significant progress in the promotion of youth empowerment and gender equality. An array of measures introduced since 1994 to promote youth empowerment and uphold gender equality have drastically improved the position and conditions of youth and women in our country. Today, young people occupy influential positions in government and the private sector and play an important role in decision-making processes. The living conditions of the majority of ordinary youth have undergone significant qualitative changes. We are encouraged by this development. We do, however, believe that more still needs to be done. Honorable Deputy Speaker, The ANC Constitution articulates non-sexist policies that have deeply influenced the Constitution of the Republic. The entrenched Bill of rights extends to all the people the right to equality before the law, the right to human dignity, the right to life, and the right to freedom and security. It is however disheartening to know that women walking free in the streets and children playing safely in open spaces seems to be a distant vision that is yet to be realized. Patriarchy remains a cancer eating the women of our society and takes the ugly form of gender-based violence and femicide. Every day, we awake to news of a woman slain, usually in the hands of her lover. One of the adverse manifestations of the lockdown has been the unprecedented rise in gender-based violence and femicide cases, Women continue to be killed and abused. Recently, a number of young women have been brutally murdered. 28 year old Teho Pule was gruesomely murdered and hanged by her lover. Sonali Siwem Faba was found dead in a field and was brutally murdered by her boyfriend. 26 year old Lady Pagindao was grisly hacked with an axe and succumbed to death. Honorable members, Violence against women and girls is the most prevalent violation of human rights. It knows no color, no creed, no social standing. One cannot believe that during the only month in the year where we are supposed to be celebrating young people and their contribution to building our country, we are instead talking about how they are being brutally murdered in their own communities. The violence against women and children needs to stop. We welcome government's expression to amend the Domestic Violence Act to better protect gender-based violence victims and sexual offences act to broaden the categories of sex offenders and passing off laws that will tighten bail for gender-based violence and sex offenders. We urge and call society, especially men, to stand up against gender-based violence and femicide and learn to confront and engage their male counterparts. We applaud the African National Congress-led government for enacting a framework to guide gender-responsive planning, budgeting, monitoring, evaluation, and auditing, which is an impressive, which is imperative in achieving the country's constitutional vision of a non-sexist society. It is aimed at ensuring better outcomes for women and girls and more tangible impacts in South Africa. Honorable Speaker, to open, we, uh, as we try to open opportunities for young people. We must also keep an eye on issues of drug abuse and the schedule of alcohol abuse, which have a potential to reverse the gains we are making. Almost all parts of South Africa are engulfed by cheap drugs, which are sold mainly to young people. It is crucial to note the significant harms that are related to alcohol abuse on individuals and, a, and society as a whole, intoxication, leads to loss of control and lack of capacity. The relationship between alcohol abuse and the, and the perpetration of gender-based violence is, particular, is, a, is of particular concern. As South Africans, we need to fight hand in hand with government and communities, political parties, traditional council, churches, law enforcement agencies, and parents to fight gender-based violence, as well as drug and health, alcohol abuse. To the women who have come, who came before us, we stand tall on your shoulders. Thank you for your contributions that you have made for those of us privileged enough to be free. Let us intensify in honor of the youth of 1976, the work we do for youth, women and working poor. Lastly, Umama Ushalot Matlager taught us not to live above our people when she said, This work is not for yourselves. Kill that spirit of self. Do not live above your people, people, but live with them. And if you rise, bring someone with you. I thank you. Malibongwe!
1: Malibongwe! Before Honorable Nyansu there is Abraham P. N. who has his hand up
0: And what is, what is the reason for that? <laughs> if you are not able to speak
1: immediately, whatever your thoughts are, we haven't provided for a Q&A. We proceed to honorable unions of the PSC. Go ahead and that. We're just making sure that we are not skipping someone who is about to call us to
28: order. Deputy Speaker, June 16 is an important calendar date. It is an appointment with social history, where social consciousness of a suppressed people rises into social activity and make material history to stand up against suppression and restrictions on the right to call our souls our own. For the PAC, we have written the social history with our blood. On June 16, 1974, the Pretoria Central Prison executed four young people, namely Thomas Mutlaeghi, Joas Mutsumi, Peter Anchuele, and Richard Muzahaya, responding to the national call-up of 11 September 1961, when the Polko insurrection started. The security branch, police, the Bureau of State Security, and other intelligence operations linked up the Soweto Youth Uprising that started on June 76 as a total onslaught by the PAC underground structures, as a memorial revenge of the June 16, 1964 execution. PAC front organizations were taken into detention, and four operatives were murdered, while others brutally tortured and maimed. The racist judiciary, media owners, big business, apathetic academics, and others started a vicious campaign to make the PAC a monster without head, as John Foster defined us after the passing of PAC President Robert They began an investigation into PAC that started in 1963 in the prison dungeons. PAC was subjected to a secret marathon trial with more than 200 witnesses with the aim to send Zephania Mutubeng and 17 co-accused to long term on Robben Island maximum security prison. We are still here, Deputy Speaker. The PAC stood the test of time. Today, we made the connections of the late June 16, 1964, to the 16 June 1976 uprising, to the 16 June 2020. Young people are facing a worldwide ugly phenomena of white supremacy that has seen the killing of George Floyd. The colonial mentality of the South African police and military to kill their own like the murder of Collins scorsa in Alex. The youth face ugly monster of gender-based violence. The youth live in times of coronavirus. Consciousness awareness of the effects of material historical events in occupied Tanzania is, is a mobilizing tool to turn the new generation of youth into engineers of fourth industrial revolution, of the internet of things, and other digital mediums, which are together turning swords of reactionary violence into plowshares to end poverty and inequality. We in parliaments must create a conducive climate for this eventuality by resolving the territorial rights of African people to their land and strengthening the right of self-determination. The weight of history is in our shoulders. We cannot fail in this historical mission. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
13: Uh, Honorable Hendricks, Al-Jama. Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chair. Uh, Honourable Deputy Speaker, I wonder if I'm taking part in the right debate. So far, not one speaker has indicated what power they're going to give to the youth. Maybe we must wait for your leadership. I know we must mute our mics, but this debate has been muted. Honorable Deputy Speaker, His Excellency, Excellency Solera asked the youth of today to take the lead for a post-COVID-19 economic recovery. Al-Jamaa hoped he did not mean 45-year-olds in terms of the definition of youth of the African Union, heads up. Soon sure after my maiden speech in the sixth parliament, Al-Jamaa asked South African youth to get ready for a cyber civilization with, re- with roots in digital platforms. So it is up to those involved in classroom struggles to create next-generation jobs and new revenue streams. Classroom struggles so that the youth can shape their future. The future is next-generation jobs and new revenue streams. The next step for the six Parliament Honorable Deputy Speaker and its portfolio committees is to unleash the opportunities that come with the 5G spectrum solely for business opportunities led by the youth and they must put an end to the auctions they are planning for the past seven years that is the youth power which is the theme of this debate that is needed as there is nothing else to give nothing else to give do you know do you perhaps know deputy speaker of anything left to give to the youth if so then tell the nation That is why Al-Jamaah is very disappointed with the President's Commission on the Fourth Industrial Revolution. They have come nowhere near making such an announcement. Don't they know that it is only young people that will lead South Africa into the Fourth Industrial Revolution? I know that because I was the first to welcome the 10-cent schoolboys from China when they came to South Africa and we exchanged presents. Those schoolboys are billionaires today and created millions of jobs. I was a teacher in 1976 at High in Hannibal Park in the Cape Flats and my students spontaneously came out in support of the Soweto students. But this has never been acknowledged. The uprising in the Western Cape was as big as Soweto. We cannot celebrate June the 16th on the Cape Flats as the Cape must still get freedom. While the rest of the country got its freedom in 1994, the Cape Flats was handed over by the apartheid government not to the new ruling party, but to crime and gangsterism. And that is still the case today, as the ruling party's best endeavors has failed, and there's no hope for the personal safety of residents on the Cape Flats of the 26th of Democracy. The Western Cape Youth are the most marginalized. I visit the speaking time left, but to remind the country it is non-compliant with Article 14 of the Children's Charter is signed with the African Union on the rights to proper sanitation. The African child. Many schools are closed today because of this non-compliance, and it is time to report this breach. The African child in over 5,000 towns of Africa play in learning learn in Shoebridge, and after the of storms, sleep in shanty
1: your time has expired. Sir, I'm sorry. Uh, Honourable noble,
4: thank you, thank you, Deputy Speaker. The government has failed the youth in this country. More than half of young people in South Africa today are without a job. The government's failure to provide quality education, training, and job opportunities for our young people means that they remain locked out of opportunities. The truth of the matter is that this government has left today's youth behind. It has left young people like Mzamo behind who is a young person that I met in Umzimkulu in KwaZulu Natal? He was born and raised in this community, attended the local schools where there is poor infrastructure, lake of water and sanitation. He told me that he has been struggling to get his carpentry business off the ground because he doesn't have the necessary support he needs to be successful. He has applied numerous times for funding from government institutions like the National Youth Development Agency, and yet he has never been successful. Mzamo's lived experiences are shared by many young people across the country who have been failed by this government. Honorable Deputy Speaker, many young persons with disabilities have also been neglected by this government. Some of them are sitting at home today with no prospects of a better future due to a shortage of special needs schools. Government's failure to equip young persons with disabilities with the resources and skills that they need has meant that they are not able to participate successfully in an inclusive economy. As the Democratic Alliance, we believe that there are immediate solutions that the government must implement to break down the barriers that keep young people locked out of opportunities. Our The Youth Hustle Continues campaign serves to highlight the solutions to problems facing young people today. We must recognize and support young informal traders. In that way, we will be able to ensure that there is economic inclusion of young people. The government must also ensure that young people have access to data so that they can gain access to the internet. Rolling out a national job centers project will be a great initiative where unemployed young people can access the internet, be able to search a centralized jobs database, get help in compiling their CVs, print out documents, and even complete short courses in fields like digital training, entrepreneurship, project management, and many more. This initiative will also help young people who stay in rural areas and have no access to the internet. As we reflect today on the sacrifices made by the youth in the history of our country, let us also look to the future and empower our youth with the resources and skills they need to build a better future. Young Thank people you, are the present and the future of this country. Thank you. I'm quiet. Thank you.
1: Eh. Honourable Deputy Minister of Higher Education and Training.
0: Honourable
1: Deputy Minister of Higher Education
2: Okay, I admitted myself. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Speaker, Honorable Members. George Floyd's eventual murder is the spark for massive protests in cities and towns across the United States and the globe. Racism, police brutality, inequality, and the value of Black lives are the triggers of these protests under the catalytic Black Lives Matter movement. Mr. Koza. At the forefront of this, this protests are young people who imagined and yearn for a better world. Just like the youth of June 16, 1976, they too are tired of racism, brutality and inequality as the foot of, as the foot of, I mean at the, at the foot of their necks. We are seeing courageous young women and reclaim their space as they demonstrate the transformative power of young people. Of course, South Africa is no stranger to youth transformative power. We saw it in the 76th generation, in the young lions of the 80s, in the students activists of the 2000s, and as we see it in the techno-premiers of the the 2020s. South Africa has witnessed gallant young people using their transformative power to shape history and destiny. However, with the onset of COVID-19, youth are particularly risky especially vulnerable and marginalized youth. Youth in rural areas, adolescents, girls and young women, young people living with HIV AIDS, young people of different sexual orientations and gender identities and homeless youth already experience challenges in accessing healthcare services and social protection. Young people with physical or mental conditions face an elevated risk in relation to COVID-19. The pandemic and economic hardship may further fuel stigma and discrimination Against certain groups of young people, when economic hard times come, young people are hit the hardest. Despite this difficult situation, armies of young people are on the, fr- on the front lines of the battle against COVID-19. Young doctors, young nurses, young community healthcare workers screening, testing, nursing, and treating our communities. Young social workers are counseling and supporting vulnerable families and individuals and individuals, students and unemployed youth are volunteering their time to distribute food parcels to the most marginalized. Young activists are at the forefront of social media campaigns, creating awareness and providing credible information on COVID-19. In the face face of this COVID-19 brute force, young people are standing their ground, putting up a fight, and using their transformative youth power to defeat the pandemic. COVID-19 has deeply affected the higher education sector supporting face-to-face learning and contact. All institutions have developed their detailed strategies for remote multimodal teaching and learning during the period of the current lockdown and, and for all the levels. We've emphasized to all the institutions that no student must be left behind. We're trying to find better ways to implement effective multimodal augmented remote learning system by considering the use of space science and earth observation technologies and platforms in support of our plans to reach vulnerable students. We want to save the academic year 2020 and also save lives. Higher education is too important to be overpowered by COVID-19 or anything else. Therefore, we're expanding access to higher education by building nine new Tivert college campuses and a new university in Ekuruleni. It is for this reason that we've multiplied our NSFAS investments in young people attaining higher education. These investments have been expanded to include tuition, textbooks, and living allowances. Over the past three years, NSPAS has funded 675,500 students in 2018, increasing that number to 721,000 students in 2019, and 691,000 students in 2020. The 2020 figures will increase with second semester enrollments, which means that we may attain an even higher number of students in our universities and private colleges being funded by the National Student Financial ASP, which deals with the uh, lies that has been spread out there that the NSFAS is failing. For the 2019-2021 uh, 20, 20, period, government will invest about eighty billion to ensure that prospective students from poor and working class families have access to higher education and training. The president also announced that we are going to spend sixty four billion over the next year in student accommodation and will leverage at least another sixty four billion in private investment. There are currently more than seven thousand new beds under development a further eleven thousand four hundred beds are a project planning stage six more large projects comprising fifteen thousand beds are also part of the feasibility for 2020, i mean for 2020, 2021 this is significant investment to address the backlog in student housing and represent government's steadfast commitment to higher education. While COVID-19 may have set us back, it has not defeated us. It has not defeated the will and resolve of young people to change society for the better and develop themselves in the process. Youth power is not fading. It is soldiering on and becoming more powerful. And I've heard one of the honorable members saying he hasn't had anyone saying how are they going to give youth I mean power to the youth the youth have the innate power and ability to transform and change and uh, uh, honorable brett just tried earlier on to give us a, a a false history of what happened in 1976 june 16 by telling us that it was about british colonialism and all of that it is the young people of 1976 who came out and protested against the apartheid system. And yes, I hear you saying, 26 years, we haven't done uh, as we should have, as it relates to, for instance, uh, uh, you know, uh, ablution facilities in some of the schools. But what you forget it does is that the youth of 76 had to go out and fight an ugly apartheid system for them to have access to all of those things, to have access to education, education that was inferior, education that was I mean, that was said uh, uh, even in the worst of conditions compared to where we are now. It is untending hundreds of years of exploitation of black people on a that you should not wipe out of your self-constructed history precisely because it is people like you who want to rewrite our history and project the current dispensation as solely being the responsibility of the ANC government and forgetting that the wounds of that were inflicted by the apartheid system are still visible on, this, I mean, on the uh, bodies of thousands and hundreds and thousands of young people in these streets. And as I said, that young people are soldiering on and becoming more powerful from the streets of the US to Mzansi campuses, shop floors and boardrooms. Youth power is rising to challenge racism, poverty, inequality, and COVID-19. Our presence and future uh, is in good hands in our view, and we believe that young people need to continue to play that role and not become the bank ventures and not be mobilized into a violent protest that destroys property, which is what we predominantly hear, but that young people need to be mobilized and galvanized to become part of the transformative power that we need post this COVID-19. Because it is only through the power that we saw in 76, the power that we saw in the 80s, the power that we saw with young people coming out into the street complimenting and raising concerns around how the democratic government is going on Bad. We are going to continue to be committed to giving youth the power that they deserve and ensure that they become the transformative power that society requires. Thank you very much, Deputy
1: Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Manamela. Honorable members, that concludes the debate. And the secretary will read the second order as we invite Honorable uh, Ntombela, House Chair International Relations, to take over. Honorable uh, Ntombela, no this? Orders from somewhere else, please. <laughs>
20: Consideration of report of Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services on provisional suspension from office of Mr. L.T. Mkansi, a regional magistrate, Bloemfontein, tabled in terms of Section 13.3b of Magistrates Act 1993, Act No. 90 of 1993.
29: And I'll call upon the Honorable Mohammed
30: from the chamber. Thank you, Honorable Chair. I rise in
0: memory
30: of the 1976 generation of the youth who fought for justice, equality, in a democratic, non-racial, non-sexist society. Yesterday, our chair, we, we commemorated the 44th anniversary of the youth, a youth of generation that fought for justice but also that when need independent judicial, judicial, judicial. judicial And therefore, we need to give effect to this objective. The Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, therefore, having considered the report on the provisional suspension from Office of, office of Mr. L.T. Mkansi, Regional Magistrate Bloomfontein, reports as follows. Mr. Mkansi was appointed as a Regional Magistrate Bloomfontein, on the 1st of December 2013. The misconduct charges against Mr. Mkansi Relate to evidence that he during the period of 28th of March 2017 and the 4th of May 2018 on numerous occasions communicated on his cell phone with an accused person who appeared before him in the criminal case. The Ethics Committee of the Magistrates Commission resolved that the preliminary investigation be conducted in terms of regulation 26.1 of the Regulations of Judicial Officers in Lower Course 1994, The Commission then invited Mr. Mkanzi to provide representation as to why he should not recommend that he be provisionally suspended from office without remuneration. Mr. Mkanzi made representations on the 12th and the 22nd of November 2019, and on the 29th of November 2019, the Commission resolved to recommend that Mr. Mkanzi be provisionally suspended from office. The Commission was of the view that the allegations against him are of such a serious nature as to make it inappropriate for him to perform any functions of a magistrate whilst the allegations are being investigated against him. The commission did not make any determination regarding the withholding of remuneration should he be suspended by this house. On the 9th of May 2020, this year, the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services, on the advice of the Commission, decided to provisionally suspend Mr. Mkhanzi with effect pending the finalization of an inquiry into his fitness to hold office as a magistrate, and in terms of the act, as uh, submitted a report for consideration by Parliament. The committee is of the view that allegations against Mr. Mkanzi point to a possible case of corruption, and it is inappropriate for a judicial officer facing such allegations to continue to preside over cases while allegations are being investigated against him. Having considered Chairperson in the Magistrates Commission report tabled by the Minister of Justice and Correctional Services on the provisional suspension from office of Mr. Ealti Mkanzi pending the outcome of an investigation into his fitness to hold office. As a magistrate, the committee recommends to the National Assembly to confirm Mr. Eltim Kanzi's provisional suspension from office as a magistrate. The report is submitted to you, uh, House. Thank you very much, um, House Chairperson.
3: Thank you, you,
29: honorable member.
30: Requests for declarations
29: of vote have been received. I will now allow one member of each political party wishing to make a declaration an
0: opportunity to do so. Uh, Honorable Hon, from the virtual platform, the day. Thank you, uh,
16: House Chair. House Chair, in the guidelines to ethical behavior for the South African judiciary, It is stated that the purpose of having an independent judiciary is to protect the freedom of individuals and the integrity of the Constitution and not to benefit individual judicial officers. Similarly, House Chair, the role of Parliament in respect of matters of discipline of the magistracy for alleged misconduct is an integral part of our system of constitutional checks and balances aimed at preserving the rule of law, the independence of the judiciary and ultimately aimed at the protection of individual rights and freedoms. In respect of the matter under discussion, it must be noted that the code of conduct of magistrates in no uncertain terms as a point of departure determines that, and I quote, a magistrate is a person of integrity and acts accordingly. There are no degrees of integrity. Integrity is absolute. House Chair, the Magistrates Commission was initially prepared to give Mr. McKenzie the benefit of the doubt when there was on record only a single phone call between the cell number of this magistrate and that of the accused. Accepting his explanation that as members of his family also make use of his phone at times, the phone record does not necessarily indicate personal contact of the accused with him. However, The difficulty is that since then, it was seemingly discovered that there were telephonic conversations between the number of the magistrate and the accused on 49 other occasions before, during, and after the accused appeared in front of Mr. McKenzie on 24 counts of fraud. This information raises very serious questions about integrity and how the duty to perform judicial duties without fear, favor or prejudice was discharged in this matter. If this allegation of 49 other instances of telephonic contact is proven during the disciplinary hearing of Mr. McKenzie, it will undoubtedly have serious consequences, specifically bearing in mind the manner in which the suspended magistrate explained the single phone call initially put on record. House Chair, the said guidelines for ethical conduct of the judiciary in South Africa also states that individual judicial officers must be free from personal influence or private interest. And as the rule of law and the independence of the judiciary depend primarily upon public confidence in the judiciary, lapses or questionable conduct by judicial officers tend to erode that confidence. Our role and duty. In this matter is therefore very simple. It is to protect the independence of the judiciary and limit the possible erosion of public confidence in the judiciary as a whole. To do that, House Chair, we must approve the preliminary suspension from office of Mr. McConzie pending his disciplinary hearing. I thank you.
29: Thank you very much, Honorable Member. The next speaker is from the EFF. Honorable Dose, from the Visual Platform.
31: Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. While indeed at in a historical epoch where the need for justice to be done is not enough, it must also be seen to be done, the public needs to have confidence in its ability of the judiciary to preside over matters
18: reconfirmed. Our
31: judicial officers must be beyond the approach There must be no perception in the public, even remotely held, that uh, some courts will always have predetermined outcomes because of the relationship these courts have with certain people in society. The conduct of magistrate Nganzi, for which his provisional suspension is sought for from this house, was despicable if proven to be true. He must be, he made about 49 phone calls with an accused who appeared before him for charges of fraud. None of the defences he put forward in the Magistrates Commission clear him of responsibility or remove this cloud of corruption over his head. The fact that he later recused himself from the case counts for nothing as well. We do not know as yet if there was any corrupt dealing between Mugansi and the accused, but we can certainly infer that there was intention to conduct a corrupt transaction, compromising justice in the process. Long as the perception persisted that our lower courts in this country have been at the center of the miscarriage of justice. There are thousands of corrupt cases that never see the light of day because of such conduct. Worse, there are many behind bars serving sentences of crimes they've not committed due to such corrupt acts on the part of judicial officers. We must ask the crucial question as to how can we uproot corruption from the ranks of the judiciary, not only at our lower courts, but even in the highest courts of South Africa. There has been evidence even led at the Zondo Commission that some of our judicial, some in our judicial ranks have corrupted, have conducted, or have been in corrupt pursuits or corrupted the pursuit of justice. We must never show mercy when it comes to uprooting corruption and unethical behavior on the part of our judiciary. As it relates, as, as the judiciary is the last stand for our democracy and a lawful society, a judge must be beyond reproach. A judge must never be gullible, even by dominant media or political propaganda. A judge must never allow even their emotions to lead them into temptations of bias. We support the recommendation for the judicial suspension of magistrate Mkansi and call on anyone with information about any corrupt judge to come out and speak. For the country cannot afford Corruption to swell the ranks of our judiciary. Thank you very much.
29: Thank you very much, Honorable Member. IFP,
0: Honorable Ms. Mang from the virtual platform. Honorable Ms. Mang. Honorable Ms. Mang. Yeah, From the right. IFP.
21: Okay, Honorable
0: sure,
21: Yeah, it seems Honorable Simang is having a problem. I will present the IFP's position on this matter, if I may. You're welcome. You. Oh, and Simang is there. Thank you.
29: Okay. Thank you very much. can continue Honorable Msimang. Thank you magistrates are the veritable tip of the spear
15: in dispensing of justice in our country and as such are expected to be beyond reproach fit and proper individuals who adjudicate matters in a manner that is both fair and impartial on the prima facie evidence before us there are serious allegations of misconduct by mr mccansi In that he communicated telephonically on multiple occasions with an accused person who appeared before him in the criminal court on 24 counts of fraud. Due to the seriousness of the allegations, and whilst the investigation by the Magistrates Commission remains ongoing, the IFP concurs with the recommendation of the Magistrates Commission that Mr. Mkansi be provisionally suspended from office pending the outcome of the investigation into his fitness to hold office as a magistrate. Chairperson. The rule of law remains the final check and balance in any fun- functional democracy. The ISP supports the report and recommendation that the National Assembly confirms Mr Mkhanse's provision of suspension from office as magistrate.
29: I thank you. Thank you very much, Honourable Member. NFP, Honourable Sheikh Imam from the Chamber.
23: Deb, uh, point of order, um, the ACDP would also like to make a declaration, please.
29: Yes, you are online. We are on the line. You are after the NFP. Yes, it's the ACDP.
0: Thank you, Honorable very
25: okay, Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. The National Freedom Party supports the recommendation. Honorable Chairperson, it is common knowledge in the country that we have a very serious problem, particularly with the high levels of corruption, not just in the public sector, but also in the private sector. Now, when you have allegations as serious as this made against a magistrate, who is supposed to have been objective and who's supposed to protect the innocent victims, then indeed it calls in question the legitimacy of such structures. Now what we find the Honorable Chairperson is, is that this is, uh, originally the South African Police Services had conducted their investigation and they found that on over 24 occasions the magistrate has been in touch with this accused telephonically. Now the question that arises is that if a magistrate who is supposed to be presiding over a matter of this nature is in contact with the accused prior to the sitting or the finalization of this matter. It actually questions his objectivity. Now, now, Honorable Chairperson, the only problem the National Freedom Party has with this, and it seems to be a norm in the country, Honorable House Chairperson, that when you get suspended, you get suspended with full pay. And that seems to be getting abused, that time and time again, people are found much later to have been guilty of those offences, but enjoyed the benefits of that throughout that period that they were suspended. So the National Freedom Party supports this, but calls on government to look at measures we can put in place in the future, so that those that are suspended on serious allegations, if found guilty, must be able to also pay back all those monies that might have been paid to them while they were under suspension. The National Freedom Party supports the, the sus- suspension of uh, the Magistrate, uh, uh, Mr. Mkansi. Thank you very much.
29: Thank you, Honorable Member. ACDP, it's your turn. Honorable Swaz from the Chamber.
23: Thank you, House Chair. the ACDP support this <laughs> report relating to the provisional suspension of Regional Magistrate Mkansi. Regional magistrates are high-level magistrates and are expected to be above reproach, to be of the highest standards of ethics and honesty. And in the present case, it will most definitely be inappropriate for the judicial officer facing these serious allegations of a number of phone calls, uh, allegedly with an accused person, to continue to preside over judicial matters. It is also deeply concerning when members of the judiciary face charges of misconduct. And the Justice Committee will be receiving a full briefing later this afternoon from the Magistrates Commission relating to misconduct hearings. One of the concerns raised is the delay in the finalization of disciplinary hearings involving magistrates. I've represented Parliament in the past on the Magistrates Commission and have a deep appreciation for the challenges facing the Commission in the finalization of such matters. Misconduct hearings involving magistrates are often voluminous, time-consuming, and require specialized attention. Often, there are criminal matters arising from the same conduct, which ideally should be finalized before the disciplinary matters continue. And of course, backlogs in criminal cases frustrate the finalization of these disciplinary hearings. In addition, magistrates charged often raise points in limine. They continually apply for postponements, change their legal teams, and sometimes uh, present sick notes in order to delay the finalization of these matters. And rulings that are then made are often taken on review to the high courts, again delaying the matters. Thus, the processes can take a very long time to finalize. The fault most definitely does not lie with the Magistrates Commission or the Quality Assurance Division of the Commission. We have done sterling work under very difficult circumstances and conditions over the years. Indeed, they are to be commended for their work. As indicated, the ACDP will support this report. I thank you.
29: Thank you, Honorable Swart. Al-Jama, Honorable Hendricks, from the virtual platform.
13: Honorable House Chair, Al-Jama supports the suspension and uh, we will allow, we will let the law run its course. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honourable
29: Member. That was very progressive. Uh, ANC, Honourable Chanchi from the Chamber.
3: Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson of the House. The ANC rises to request the House to uphold the provisional suspension of the, on, from office of Mr. McKenzie pending an investigation into his fitness to hold office as a magistrate, as required by Section 13, subsection 3B of the Magistrate Act of 1993. The misconduct charges preferred against Mr. McKenzie relate to primafake evidence that during the period 28 March 2018 and 4 May 2018, had communicated on 49 occasions with an accused person who appeared before Yemen 24 counts of crime. We thank the sub-South African police service who came across this as they were doing their work diligently investigating the telephone calls of the accused to their surprise, Matigri, Umanti, who called. The agency remains committed to building a capable, ethical and developmental state. An independent judiciary is critical for our democracy. Central to the concept of impartiality is the absence of bias, whether actual or perceived. While the matter is being investigated, we believe that it would not be in the interest of justice for Mr. McKenzie to continue presiding over any case. On the day the matter came to the committee, we insisted that the magistrate comes back to us because we believe that there are systemic problems that are giving rise to this. So by six o'clock today, we're going back to be, to, be, to be delving into those kind of issues. I must also indicate that the second item we will be dealing with tonight at six is also another magistrate that we're likely to bring back to the house. So we are ready to tackle this. Because
0: want to leave no stone unturned. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Chanchi. Uh, Honorable members, I recognize any other party wishing to make the declaration. Yes, dear. Any other party? Thank you very much.
29: Are there any objections to the adoption of the recommendation of the committee? Namely, that the provisional suspension from Office of Regional Magistrate, L Tim Kansi, be confirmed.
0: No objections. Agreed to. Shall we go to the third order? The Secretary will read that, that order.
20: Consideration of request for approval by Parliament of of and Cooperation in Southeast Asia in terms of Section 231 Sub 2 of the Constitution
0: 1996. I now recognize. The Honorable Chair Salah from the Chamber. Honorable Mohambe Salah.
7: Uh, thank you, uh, House Chairperson. Uh, House Chairperson, it would be remiss of me a product of youth activism in our country, not to mark the significance of this month, as well as heroes and heroines, would set the tone for what the stand of activism should be in our country. The likes of Tsietzima Shinini Hector Peterson, Peter Mugaba and the ilk, made a valiant and gallant contributions to the national liberation struggles against apartheid. Their contribution towards the creation of a non-racial, non-sexist, free and democratic South Africa remains immense. Mugabe's activism should guide us even in our not-so-new reports. To this end, I'm reminded of what he said on electoral reforms. He said, I quote, if you don't have dedicated representatives who know, who know they should go to the people, changing the electoral system is not going to improve their situation." Close quote. Honorable Chairperson, the Department of International Relations and Cooperation requested for South Africa's accession to Treaty of Amity with Southeast Asia. We welcome the initiative to formalize relations with the Asian grouping. We have a political history with the Asian grouping. These countries were with us throughout our struggle against apartheid. Four of these diplomatic relations have been in existence before South Africa became a democratic state in 1994, while full diplomatic relations with the other six nations, were established after 1994. Our focus as portfolio committee is on ensuring that the department is committed to strengthening regional integration across the different economic communities in the Global South. We are of a view that building diplomatic engagements with Asian countries, South Africa will enhance its ability to create strategic relations for social and economic benefits domestically. Which can be transferred to the SADC region and Africa as a whole, as per tenets of our foreign policy. Given the tensions, uh, honorable chairperson, in trade relations exacerbated by the trade wars between US and China, and the evidently shrinking global markets, we applaud the move by South Africa to expand its strategic economic ambit and find new markets the more potential economic partners and markets South Africa can access would be in the country's national interest. Related advantages in Asian countries include the elimination of tariffs between member states, which has reduced the price due to to increased competition within the market, and possibly investment opportunities in the market. In, In our view, by entering into such a membership, South Africa would be able to also diversify its portfolio of economic opportunities and actors have more diversity for our exports. Honourable Chairperson, we are, however, not oblivion to criticism of a potential risk of an influx of cheap imports flooding local markets and the existence of poor governance structures in some countries. The department would need to do due diligence on its comparative economic advantage and as well as understanding the economic structural conditions of the ACN market, including consumer behavior. We have also noted that South Africa's level of trade with ACN member states is still a challenge. Honorable Chairperson, lastly, if South Africa has a commodity, the ACN needs if South Africa has a commodity the ACN needs, and if that offer offers us an opportunity to benefit through manufacturing the commodities needed, then by all means, we must follow our national interest and promote trade relations and economic cooperation with the ACN countries as it were. We ask the House to grant the approval by Parliament for South Africa to accede to the Treaty of Amenity. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair.
29: Thank you, Honorable Member. Requests for declarations of vote have been received. I will now allow one member of each party, political party, wishing to make a declaration and opportunity to do so. DA, Honorable Parkman from the virtual
10: platform. Thank you, Chair. The Treaty of Amity and Cooperation of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations is a peaceful and productive treaty that has been enforced for over 40 years. These countries are based in a collective region with common identity, but are politically far apart. The treaty has been an advantage to some of the countries where political intolerance has increased. Parties to this treaty the objective of the treaty mainly growth and cooperation and have not interfered in each other's domestic affairs. An immediate obvious question is then why South Africa? Why are in BRICS already, why when we are in BRICS already, although in Facebook terms I think the relationship is now in a complicated status, Mauritius would have been closer and is also an emerging market, albeit smaller, Australia would have been a better proposition in setting the bar higher and also in size, proximity and opportunity. We believe, for us, the TAC makes a more comparative match and more equitous than BRICS. The population of 620 million and a consumer market of 1.2 trillion US dollars is beneficial to our country, who continues to stagger between no and low growth And the high 5.9% growth rates of the Asian countries gives us access to formidable trading partners and markets that will hopefully help us stimulate our economy and create much-needed jobs. However, it must be said that the TAC are clearly looking for a reliable international diplomatic partner that is clear and consistent in their approach on human rights and global atrocities. A partner that endears itself to both the West and the East, the North and the South. A partner that has respect for international bodies like the UN, RCC and the International Court of Justice. I hope they have done their calculations here. We are fair-weathered friends at best. Depending on who is in the presidency at the time, or these days heading up net joints, this could be a major risk for the TAC, considering that South Africa sits on the UNSC and the genocide case of the Rohingya people in Myanmar is becoming more significant. Maybe they have a major ally in South Africa here. It would be hard to tell through our historic votes where we... where.
0: Batman? I have lost you.
29: Honourable Batman.
10: By, by getting Burma to... Pr- to pr- okay, I lost you for a second, Mr. Um, Can I you, think someone Are cut you still me off. Yes, I think someone cut me off there. <laughs> to propose a resolution at the UN Security Council to get Burma to comply with uh, RCJ ruling by preserving the evidence of genocide as a scene of a crime and halt on all harming or killings of the Rohingya people and to comply with full disclosures and reporting to the relevant bodies as ruled. South Africa has an opportunity here to make a positive name for itself internationally in its tenure. So either our newfound friends have taken this calculated risk based on our history over the last few years under the Zoom administrations, or they are setting themselves up for a major disappointment. Either way, not sure the bookies would be able to call this one clearly either. What is important today, though, is that we support this treaty because we believe that South Africa can benefit from it all the way. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Member.
29: ESF, Honorable Msana from the virtual platform. platform.
32: Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Um, our approach to matters of international relations is rooted in our pan Africanist conv- conviction, as it is on progressive internationalism. We want a South Africa that is part of a very progressive African continent whose primary obsession is the unity and development of the African continent and her people. This requires a concerted effort to build African institutions and African mechanisms to ensure the development of the continent and her people. The Treaty of MET by Asian countries is one example undertaken by Asian countries for the benefit of Asian people. The purpose of this treaty is to promote perpetual peace, everlasting enmity and cooperation among their peoples, which would contribute to their strength, solidarity and closer relationships. So while in principle, we would have no objection towards the ratifying of this treaty with these objectives, we are mindful that this was for South Asian countries, Although other countries are welcomed to join, this must also be ratified by South Asian countries. Our focus should be on building African institutions, strengthening African solidarity, strengthening African regional bodies, and entrenching African cooperation for development. South Africa will be the third African country to join this treaty and the only First, country that is not dominated by Arabs. We must endeavor at all times to put our people first. I thank you, Chair.
29: Thank you, Honorable Member. IFP, Honorable M. Sengwa from the Visual Platform.
33: Um, thank you very much, uh, Honorable House Chairperson. The IFP, in welcoming South Africa, taking this step of signing the Treaty of Amiti, we believe it is important that whatever trade relations we undertake are underpinned by a fundamental commitment to the observation of human rights. As we now delve deeper into the East, we must confront the very real challenges which come with the East. Here we speak about Taiwan, Tibet, and Hong Kong, people whom find themselves at the receiving end of the most brutal violations we have seen in modern times. It is therefore important that we do not sacrifice our own values of South Africa, of peace and unity in diversity at the altar of trade and economic expedience. We must therefore ensure that our hands are clean so that we can be able to call out those whom we work with to ensure that they do not find themselves perpetuating the violations of human rights. We must therefore implore on the South African government to make sure that at the heart of all that we do, we put people first. As South Africa becomes part and parcel stronger and stronger of the international community in seeking to foster new relations, and of course, cementing our place on the international stage as we seek to grow our economy, to create jobs, and to improve the sustainable livelihoods of our people, we must work with international partners and find the best possible solutions to our problems insofar as the treaties that we sign. This being one of them, and therefore its success will hinge on a new commitment on South Africa, improving its own capabilities here at home. Here we speak about education, access to the internet for the ease of Doing business. Here we're speaking about dealing with the very prevalent and challenging issues of crime, which are a deterrent for those who want to actually invest in our country. It is important that our international relations outlook fosters clarity and certainty so that the ease of doing business is better defined for South Africa. It is also important that we venture into the African continent to make sure that Africa itself makes. Or rather, finds itself receiving the best possible deals from the treaties that we sign. Whilst we chair now the African Union, Commission, the African Union, it is important that this message resonates across the continent for us to do the right things. We need to get back to basics, and those basics must ensure that our people live a better life. Therefore, South Africa, in being a torchbearer of international relations on the continent, must set the example. But in doing so, we must never, ever, for one moment, forget that there are people out in look to us to be a voice of reason so that it's not just economics first, <coughs> people first and the economics as well to improve their lives. We hope that this um, joining of South Africa of the Treaty of Amity will make a meaningful difference in our Thank play- you very
29: much, Honorable
33: Continent <laughs> And around the world, I thank you.
29: Thank you very much. ACDP, the Honorable Mishwe from the virtual platform, I'm happy it has been corrected. Uh, oh uh, uh, Yes, oh. member. In
24: nineteen sixty-seven, the Treaty of Amity and Cooperation was first registered in Bangkok by five founding members, which are Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, and Thailand. In time In time, its membership incrementally expanded the organization's reach to all 10 Southeast Asian countries. The treaty was subsequently amended to allow non-regional countries to accede. To date, 15 countries have done so, including US allies, Japan, South Korea, and Australia, as well as China, India, and Russia. The ACDP notes that accession to the ASEAN Treaty of Amity and Cooperation will be beneficial to South Africa's economic growth and development and would increase trade opportunities with all the countries who are signatories. South Africa will also be in a position to identify underexplored markets in the region, which would potentially provide new export opportunities. While the ACDP agrees that accessing more economic partners and markets is in South Africa's national interest, we are nevertheless concerned about the dangers of an influx of cheap imports flooding local markets and the negative impact it may have particularly on our small businesses. ASEAN countries may take advantage of our weak manufacturing sector in this regard. The fact that ASEAN has negotiated a free trade agreement among member states and with other countries such as China means that South Africa cannot use tariffs to protect locally manufactured products. We must do everything possible to ensure that South Africa does not just become a supplier of low value raw products and buyer of high value manufactured goods abroad. Finally, our last concern is around principle six of the agreements under the Bandung Conference, where it says that there should be no intervention or interference with the internal affairs of another country. What the ACRP wants to know is what would be done if there were human rights abuses happening in one of the member states, such as we have seen with our own neighboring country, Zimbabwe. Chairperson, with these concerns in mind, the ACDP will support the approval of the Treaty of Amity and Cooperation in Southeast Asia because of the economic benefits it would bring to the country. South Africa definitely and desperately needs new markets to access and the foreign investment opportunities they're accessing of this treaty may bring. I thank you.
29: Thank you very much, Honourable Member. NFP, Honourable Sheikh Imam from the Chamber.
25: Thank you, Honourable House Chair. In supporting this treaty, the National Freedom Party wants to highlight a few of our concerns. And one of them being that, and it is common knowledge, Honourable Chairperson, and if you look at China, and the relationship with South Africa and the imports that come into South Africa has resulted in massive job losses, closure of businesses. Our businesses are not able to compete particularly with the Chinese. And it's exactly the same thing that may happen with these Asian markets, unless of course, we ensure that it is beneficial to South Africans at large. Now, the treaty will contribute to the elimination of tariffs between member states, which in turn will result in reduced prices. But the problem we have, Honorable Chairperson, is this, that the cost of doing business in these Asian countries, coupled with the high levels of human rights violation and the low cost of labor, makes it very, very difficult for South Africa to be competitive in this market. Now I know to a very large extent, it is our own doing that we need to deal with the issue of the cost of doing business in South Africa. But we have to be very mindful of the fact that a lot of these treaties and agreements that we enter into, it benefits outside countries rather than benefiting South Africa. While the intention is very good, and yes, indeed, it will be very good for investment in South Africa. We must ensure at all times that there's a balance that South Africa could take advantage of this treaty and agreement and enhance our manufacturing industry and and provide some concessions to businesses so that we can become competitive, competitive in the market, resulting in more export, bringing in more revenue into the country. And very importantly, that when we enter into these agreements, we must also consider human rights violations in those countries we know where we've come from. We know what has happened pre-1994, and we should not in any way be associating with countries that violate human rights. The National Freedom Party will support this report. Thank you very much.
29: Thank you very much,
0: honorable member.
25: ANC, honorable
0: Panza, from the chamber. Thank you, Chair. Mm. I am uh, from Visual, not
34: in the Chamber. Oh, okay. That's how I got it here. Okay, you're welcome, Honourable Mpanza. Okay. Thank you,
14: uh, Chair Persin. Uh, ...the youth in this uh, youth month and wish them, wish them well
34: must engage with the international system in a way that encourages economic growth and development. The White Paper on South Africa's foreign policy does support the establishment of political and economic relations with countries of Asia. In our view, the Department has aligned the prescripts of the White Paper, the NDP, department strategic plan 2020 to 25 and its annual performance plan 2020 2021 we support the view that the advancement of south south cooperation is of strategic importance uh, in the pursuit of the country's foreign policy objectives this enables the country to address the challenges of economic and political marginalization that emanates from the process of globalization that is biased towards the countries of the North. Chairperson, indeed, the South-South agenda revolves around the promotion of global reforms, multilateral solidarity, market access, trade, and investment. The key tenets on South-South Cooperation as provided for in the White Paper on South Africa's Foreign Policy highlights that power shifts in the global political and economic system have increased the relevance of the Asian region, with major emerging powers such as China and India increasing their global influence. Asia has become South Africa's largest trading region and an increasingly important source of investment, particularly China, India, and Japan. As a result, Africa should focus on identifying underexplored markets in the region that will provide the new export opportunities that it is doing now. We are in full agreement with the white paper that South Africa should not lose sight of the fact that there are also many middle powers in Asia, such as Indonesia, Malaysia, Republic of Korea, and Vietnam. They are both partners and competitors. Chairperson, it is within our oversight mandate that we should ensure that South Africa leverages the fact that. These countries share similar views on reform of global governance, solidarity, and economic justice. I agree, Chairperson, with the portfolio Chairperson of our committee that South Africa needs to broadband and find new markets within the historically very friendly countries in the ASEAN grouping. However, in some people's minds, there might be a question, does it mean BRICS is dying? The answer is a big, big no. As the committee, we want to believe that this is about how South Africa is strategically aligning geopolitically forums as a matter of national interest. Our approach is that South Africa cannot afford to play in one multilateral forum within the Global South. As a committee, we advocate that South Africa should remain in BRICS for a long haul. In my view, South Africa only has to re envision foreign policy and address the challenges to BRICS cohesion. We, however, note that these are brought about by the domestic politics within the BRICS countries and the fact that some of our partners are moving towards the right. We support the government's commitment to BRICS as demonstrated uh, through the operationalization of the Midland-based Africa Regional Center of BRICS New Development Bank. We support the bank's potential to expand its mandate to not only financing South African projects, but also regional infrastructure and development projects in the region and beyond. A. Uh, chairperson. The ANC support uh, this report. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Mpanza.
29: Are there any other parties wishing to make the declarations? al Jama, al Jama, the Honorable Member, go
13: ahead. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, South Africa has got a long history uh, with Indonesia and Malaysia, in fact, uh, nearly 400 years when Sheikh Yusuf, founder of the Muslim community, came to Cape Town, he started the fight against colonialism, and that's why uh, President Taban uh, Becky gave him the honor of Companion of Oliver Tambo Medal in gold for starting this fight uh, against colonialism in South Africa. So, uh, al Jama supports the treaty. However, we would have preferred a treaty between the African Union and uh, the Asian countries because you know, Honorable House Chair, that our founding fathers said that after African countries get their uh, Uhuru, they must not go it alone. And uh, because if all African countries stand together, that strength we'll make sure that we would have had much more advantages, uh, uh, which just to the promises. But it's a good start, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much.
29: Thank you, Honorable Member. Are there any objections to the approval of the Parliament of, uh, are there any objections to the approval of by Parliament of Treaty of Amity? and cooperation in Southeast Asia as it appears on the order paper.
0: No objections agreed to. We now go to the fourth and the fifth orders.
29: We will now take the fourth and the fifth orders together as they appear on the order paper. These are requests for approval by parliament of international agreements on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters and extraditions respectively, in terms of section thirty one two of the constitution. I now call upon the Honorable Mahomet from the chamber.
30: Honorable Mahomet. Thank you, House Chairperson, the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services. Having considered the request that Parliament approves the ratification of the extradition treaty and the treaty on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters between South Africa and the United Mexican States table in terms of Section 2.312 of the Constitution reports as follows. That Section 2.312 of the Constitution provides that an international agreement only becomes binding after it has been approved by resolution In both the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces, and that furthermore, Section 23A of the Extradition Act 1962 provides that no agreement is of any force unless it is ratified by Parliament, and that in the case of the Mutual Legal Assistance, Section 272 of the International Cooperation in Criminal Matters Act 1996 contains a similar provision. Section 21A, House Chaplain of the Extradition Act empowers the President to enter into agreement with any foreign state, providing for the surrender on a reciprocal basis of persons accused or convicted of committing an ex or specified offense within the jurisdiction of the Republic or the foreign state. And that in respect of the provision of mutual legal assistance, Section 27 of the International Cooperation in Criminal Matters Act 1996 also empowers the President similarly. I was on the 5th of March this year, the minister tabled the treaties in respect of that the National Assembly approve their ratification in terms of section 231 of the constitution. And on the 10th of March this year, the treaties and their respective explanatory memorandums were referred to the committee for consideration and report. On the 27th of May this year, the committee was briefed on the treaties. And the purpose briefly of the treaties are to ensure that South Africa will not be a safe haven for criminals by providing for the extradition of fugitives and to facilitate the effectiveness of law enforcement authorities in the prevention, investigation, and prosecution of crime. These treaties are needed, amongst others, to assist in the fight against drug trafficking and related crimes emanating from Latin America. House chairperson, the committee having considered the request that Parliament approve the ratification of the extradition treaty and the explanatory memorandums to the treaty between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the government of the United Mexican States, tabled in terms of section 2312 of the Constitution. We recommend that the National Assembly approve the ratification of this treaty. Secondly, that the committee also having considered the request that Parliament approve the ratification of the treaty and the explanatory, explanatory memorandum to the treaty between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the government of the United Mexican States on the mutual legal assistance in criminal matters, also tabled in terms of Section 2312 of the Constitution. We also recommend that the National Assembly approve the ratification of this treaty. The reports combined are recommended to the House, as and thank you very much. Thank you very much, honorable member.
29: Requests for declarations of vote have been received. I will now allow one member of each political party wishing to make a declaration an opportunity to do so. DA, Honorable Breitenbach from the virtual platform.
20: Uh, Thank you, uh, House Chair, uh, honorable members. International agreements bind the Republic only after approval by resolution in both the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces. The treaties under discussion were signed in 2013 and 2014, respectively. Soon thereafter, a new Mexican administration came into power and needed to review the treaties for possible amendments before they could become valid and enforceable. The treaties were tabled in the South African Parliament on the 5th of March 2020. Diplomatic relations between South Africa and Mexico were established on the 27th of October 1993, with the South African Embassy in Mexico City being opened on the 10th of January 1994. Mexico and South Africa are strengthening cooperation and exchange of best practices in fighting corruption, strengthening the rule of law, enhancing equality, and protecting and promoting human rights. Mexico does not impose the death penalty, having officially abolished capital punishment on the 15th of March 2005. The President is both Chief of State and Head of Government and serves for a single six-year term. The legal system of Mexico provides for federal laws and state laws. There is a federal constitution and a state constitution for each of the states of Mexico. Mm -hmm. The highest court of Mexico is the Supreme Court of Justice with an electoral tribunal of the federal judiciary. Mexico also has subordinate courts at a federal level, which include circuit, collegiate, and unitary courts, and state and district level courts. This treaty aims to improve the effectiveness of law enforcement authorities in both countries in investigating, prosecuting, and preventing crime through cooperation and legal mutual assistance in criminal matters in statutory and common law offences, which include alia, serving documents, locating and identifying persons and the proceeds of crime, search and seizure, and making persons available for investigations. In terms of the extradition treaty between Mexico and South Africa, both states agree to extradite persons wanted for prosecution or the imposition or execution of an extraditable offence. Extradition may not be refused on grounds of a person's nationality. Extraditable offences must constitute offences in both countries for which a prison sentence of at least one year can be imposed. Where a person has already been sentenced, at least six months of the sentence must still be served. Where two or more states apply for the extradition of the same person, the requested state must consider inter alia the nationalities of the person and the victim, the interests and the respective states, and whether it has extradition treaties with the requesting state when it decides to which state to extradite. An extradited person cannot be prosecuted or sentenced or detained for an offence other than that for which extradition is granted, unless the offence was committed after the person's surrender. This agreement of mutual legal assistance and concomitant treaty enhances the capacity of the criminal justice system of both countries to function at an optimal level, and both are supported by the Democratic Alliance. I thank you. Um,
0: thank you,
29: Honourable Member. Honourable
31: from the visual platform. Thank you, Chairperson. Crime is a global enterprise, and there is and always has been a need for cooperation with countries of the world to fight against high-level organized crime. We therefore welcome the Treaty on Mutual Legal Assistance with Mexico, as well as the extradition Treaty. We have become a comfortable space for criminals from all over the world, and we are also an easy pick for those who want to commit cyber crimes as well as organized human trafficking that must be seen as perpetuating slavery. Many of these criminals are high-level people who want to use some form of immunity to commit crimes, as was the case when Mark Thatcher, the son of Margaret Thatcher, wanted to use South Africa as a base for his regime change coups across the continent. We also know that the Guptas stole stole millions and billions in this country and then slipped off to other countries to escape accountability for their crimes they committed here. It is therefore of critical importance that we have these mechanisms with as many countries as possible to ensure that no one is able to escape accounting for their crimes. But this will amount to nothing if we still have a compromised national prosecuting authority that has very little appetite for investigating and prosecuting high-level organized crimes, particularly international crimes. Linked to these treaties, we must also build our own judicial system that is free of corruption from investigating officers up to the judges. We must state that the core of international crimes as well and criminal conduct is a long-standing conduct by multinational corporations engaged in illicit financial flows. At the forefront of such international crimes are tax havens that corroborate with robbing developing countries of their revenue. Illicit financial flows are conducted by individuals that can be held accountable, aided by accounting firms. Such treaties have to be pursued with countries that are accommodating and aiding illicit financial flows so that they end once and for all. International cooperation in pursuit of justice is indeed crucial. That is why we welcome and support these treaties. I thank you.
29: Thank you, Honorable
0: Dozi. IFP. Honorable Mr. from the virtual platform IFP, Honorable Mr. President, the IFP supports
15: both requests for the approval of treaties between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the government of United Mexican States on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters and extradition. The IFP strongly believes that these treaties will be powerful tools In our continuing fight against (coughs) burgeoning. The IFP believes that these treaties will be powerful tools in our continuing fight against burgeoning transnational crime. The treaties will solidify international cooperation by facilitating assistance between South Africa and the Mexican law enforcement agencies in the investigation, prosecution, and prevention of crime. The IFP also accepts the state law advisor's opinion that these proposed treaties do not conflict with our domestic laws and existing international obligations. The IFP is concerned, however, over the extensive delays associated with the ratification of these treaties as the ability of organized crime to operate with sophistication in our global economy demands urgency from us in solidifying international cooperation in fighting and preventing transnational crimes. Chairperson, the IRP believes in and supports the elimination of criminal activity in the international community and the prevention of escape from justice by criminals. As was highlighted in Haskin versus the President of the Republic of South Africa and others, the general legal basis for extradition is reciprocity which this treaty seeks. I thank you.
29: Thank you very much, Honorable Member. NFP, Honorable Sheikh Imam from the Chamber.
25: Thank you, Honorable House Chair. The National Freedom Party supports both these reports on the treaty between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the government of the United Mexican States on mutual legal assistance, and also on the Honorable Chairperson, let's look at the benefits and advantage of this, and yes, I must agree that uh, some of them in this country might have looted and ran away, And now there will be an opportunity to extradite and bring them back to this country. But that also says to many of them in this country that if you continue to be looting, there's no place to hide because the more countries we enter into this agreement with, the greater opportunity of getting you back here to come here and answer for your criminal activities. So indeed, I think it's a very, very good thing that we are entering. What, What we do know, Chairperson, is that in this country, and I think the Minister of Finance has agreed and alluded to that, in the, the issue of illicit financial flows. There are multinationals in this country who have business interests outside South Africa, who show losses in South Africa and show their profits in other countries. Now, this will be an opportunity for us, particularly when it comes to the issue of asset for future and things, to be able to get those monies that they've taken out of South Africa, actually taken the blood out of the bones of the poorest of the poor in South Africa and hiding them in countries outside of South Africa. So indeed, I think this is a win-win situation for South Africa and for South Africans at large. But clearly it shows there is no place to hide for criminals coming from outside of South Africa and also those from here that are looting stealing those monies and hiding them south africa the na- outside south africa the national freedom party supports both these treaties thank you very much
0: thank you honorable member ANC honorable ngola from the chamber
14: thank you very much sir uh, the ANC rises in support of the request for approval of the treaty between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the United Mexican States and the treaty between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the United Mexican States on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters. Honorable Chair, the month of June is an important month in the history of this country. Yesterday, the nation as a whole commemorated the active role in the bravery of the youth of 1976 in the fight against apartheid. As we consider these international agreements today, I take a moment to reflect on Article D of the constitution of the African National Congress Youth League, which provides as follows. The ANS Youth League shall promote among young people a spirit of international solidarity, peace and friendship with other nations. Honourable House Chair, the aspirations of the Freedom Charter, which call for, for there to be peace and friendship, remain our blueprint and guide our international relations objectives. We remain committed to these aspirations of nineteen fifty five. Two of the six guiding pillars which anchor the ANC's international work are building a better Africa in the world, continental and international solidarity. ANC is committed to progressive internationalism, which is a radical perspective on international relations that the liberation movement developed out of the struggle for liberation. South Africa and Mexico enjoy good bilateral relations and work together on multilateral for south-to-south cooperation and nuclear disarmament. The two states also enjoy good trade and investment relations with each other. Honourable House, chain, honourable members, South Africa and Mexico entered into these treaties in line with the ambit of international agreements in terms of Section 231, Subsection 2 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa Act 108 of 1996. This section requires both houses of Parliament to approve such treaties. One of the fundamental principles of international law is state sovereignty, which entails a a state's legal independence from other states. As such, no state has a right to dictate or command any state to take a particular action. The principle of sovereignty also finds force in Article 27 of the United Nations Charter, which protects matters that are within the domestic jurisdiction of a state from an external interference. Mm -hmm. By virtue of state uh, sovereignty, uh, States exercise authority over all persons and things within their territories. This includes individuals suspected of committing or charged with crimes in foreign states. International law generally imposes no obligation to surrender individuals suspected or charged with committing crimes in foreign states. Fugitives may only be returned when an agreement exists between the states concerned. Generally, in the absence of an extradition treaty, states are not obliged to surrender an alleged criminal to a foreign state. Extradition takes place only by way of an agreement between states. In this light, the extradition treaty and requests for mutual and legal assistance become essential. The mutual and legal assistance treaty is critical in the fight against drug trafficking and other related criminal activities emanating from South South American countries. Honorable chair, honorable members, South Africa's geographical location and its international trade links with countries in Asia, Latin America, Western Europe, and North America have made it an attractive drug transit country. Drug trafficking and abuse have escalated in recent years, particularly in the years prior to and shortly after the installation of a democratically elected government in 1994 which ended the country's socioeconomic and political isolation. The mutual legal assistance will also assist in fighting other crimes, such as human trafficking, which affects women and children in the name. The international dimension of human and drug trafficking calls for an international and multilateral cooperation response. No one, no one state can effectively address trafficking in human, in human beings on their own. International cooperation is therefore critical. Drugs destroy the youth the ones who must lead. Drugs must therefore be destroyed as well. The African National Congress remains committed to cooperation, peace, and friendship, and fighting crime to ensure a better Africa and a better world. The ANC supports. Thank you very much.
29: Thank you very much, your honorable member. Any other parties wishing to make the declaration?
23: The ACDP. Thank you, House Chair from the House. The ACDP, welcome. House Chief, thank you. The ACDP rises in support of these treaties. They will most definitely assist in fighting crime, particularly where fugitives from justice hide out, either in South Africa or the United Mexican States. They will also assist in fighting cross-border crime, as highlighted by other speakers, including drug trafficking and, of course, human trafficking. These treaties, however, only become valid once Parliament ratifies them in terms of Section 231, The constitution there are however inordinate delays between the executive signing these treaties and parliament ratifying them this matter has been raised and the speaker is looking into this issue we have also seldom if ever seen parliament changing any terms of these treaties although we as parliament have the power to do so of course of great importance to the acdp and i'm sure All of us in South Africa must be the effective implementation of these treaties. South Africa has similar treaties with the United Arab Emirates, yet we don't see those implicated in state capture, and in particular the Gupta family being extradited to stand trial in South Africa. We urge the NPA and the Department of Justice to expedite the applications for extradition and mutual legal assistance in these matters. These applications are taking too long to finalize. We want to see people behind bars and the billions that have been looted and stolen being recovered. I thank you.
29: Thank you, Honorable Member.
23: Al Jammah,
13: Honorable
29: Chair. Al Jammah, you're welcome.
13: Honorable Chair, Al uh, is very impressed that most of the political parties that have spoken have come out in favor of this particular treaty. I hope that you are not gonna call for a vote, but at the end of the proceedings, you will ask the members in the house uh, to show us the Mexican wave in favor of this treaty. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, honorable member.
29: Are there any objections to the approval of the treaty between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the government of the United Mexican States on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters
0: as it appears on the other paper. No objections agreed to. Honorable members,
29: are there any objections to the approval of the treaty between the government
0: of between the government of the Republic of South Africa and the government of the United Mexican
29: States on extradition, as it appears on the other paper.
0: No. No objection. Agreed to. Honorable members,
29: that concludes the business for the day the House is
0: adjourned. Thank you.